And now, introducing the man who had a great time at the BMW Championship this weekend before being unceremoniously kicked off the grounds due to what he called a misunderstanding, but what they insisted was attempted Grand Theft Auto. As he told his lawyer, quote, they said the fancy red car was mine for doing all those live reads, unquote. When asked how he intends to ensure the Orioles receive the top overall pick in 2023, he was adamant in his belief that they should realign the schedule to play only Tampa Bay next season and that it had nothing to do with his sizable bet on the Rays to win the pennant to AL East pennant. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Kyle Ottenheimer. You probably know that. I, I can't imagine that we still have to tell you that every day, but we do anyway because that's the way the broadcasting works. Got a lot to do on the, the program today. Obviously, two particular headlines from the weekend. Um, the Ravens are winning 20, 20 in a row, straight. You know? Exactly right. It's Only a big one anyone story. Cares about. And the Orioles got swept by the Rays. Those are the two big Which is new. Lines. Yeah, very surprising that that would have occurred. Um, look, we're going to talk about J.K. Dobbins, and we're going to talk about the golf. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. We'll talk uh, a little more Dobbins than the golf, but we're going to talk about both of them. Uh, some of our friends will join us this morning. Jeff Zrebeck from The Athletic, Kevin Van Valkenburg from ESPN, Jeremy Kahn from 105.7 The Fan, and Dr. David Chow, pro football doc, uh, now without kick, which I don't love, but, you know, that's where he is, and so we like him, and so we'll do that, and that's what it is. Um, look, I... I I guess I should give a, a, a before I get right into it. I guess I should do a read, so I don't end up forgetting to do that. Today's program is brought to you by Window Nation. These are the final days, last couple of days for you to take advantage of the 15th anniversary offer. As during August, all customers that get an in-home estimate will be entered to win the home project for free, or buy two windows and get two free, plus pay nothing for two full years. Eight six six ninety Nation or visit windownation.com. As Missy Elliott once said, "Is it worth it?" Let me work it, put yeah. my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Um, you know, there's a it's, it's a tr- it's a tricky little thing that we're doing here because m- my answer is always this is the reason why I asked Bo Smoke the question the way that I asked it on Friday. Why? My answer is always going to be if someone matters, they shouldn't be playing in the preseason. But unfortunately, the rosters, particularly when you get into injuries leads you to the point where, well, then that leaves you. If you take away the 20 players that matters, you're left with 50 players to try to play a football game. And while you'd say, okay, then play the football game with those 50 players, inevitably someone's going to have to be on the field that matters to you. And now they're at greater risk because they're on the field with other guys that maybe aren't good enough to be out there, and those guys might get you hurt. Um, not to say that's why J.K. Dobbins n- Oh, no, hurt, not right? at all. That's yeah. why, it's not at all why J.K. Dobbins got hurt. To me, it's why there should be no preseason. And the thing that I keep trying to explain to you is there's no benefit. The Ravens have not won 20 consecutive preseason games because there are no winners in preseason games. The greatest trick the devil ever played was getting you to believe that you could win a preseason football. You cannot do it. Preseason football game. You can't. Well, you might be able to win a preseason football in like a raffle or something. I guess that's possible, and we should look into that. I don't know. Um, You cannot win a preseason football game. Because that's not a thing. That's not an actual concept. You can have more points at the end of the day, but you can't win a game where the wins and losses aren't a tangible thing. It can't be done. The Ravens haven't won 20 consecutive preseason games. Well, they have. But they, they haven't. Have. They, well, haven't. they haven't. No, they haven't. That's the record not a will thing. show. No, it's not a thing. 
That is a fallacy that we continue to suggest that there is a winner and a loser of a preseason game. There is no such thing in any world except betting, of course. And betting, there is. And it's the only reason why the charade might continue. There is nothing, nothing to be gained from these exercises. And the coaches have made it abundantly clear. It's why I'm stunned that they bother to play their players at all. I can't believe it. John Harbaugh five years ago came out strongly against there being preseason football, and yet he still put his guys on the field in a third preseason game. It makes no bloody sense. None. Zero. There is no reason why you should ever put your actual football players on the field in the preseason. And again, the problem is the math would say you have to because you have so many players that are injured, that there's only so many roster spots. At some point, you've got to put somebody out there. It's why there should be no preseason. No preseason. To make it abundantly clear, that doesn't mean J.K. Dobbins wouldn't get hurt in a regular season game or that he wouldn't get hurt in practice or that he wouldn't get hurt somewhere else. You can't protect these guys at all times. But at least, the least you can do is not have it happen. Lamar Jackson was getting sacked a couple times on the first drive. Yeah, I probably would have pulled him yeah. right after the Dobbins injury. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think, well, I, I, wouldn't, I never would have played him. So I get it, but you get what I'm saying. Like, the fact that he came out for another series. When there's nothing to be gained, zero. At least I'll listen to the argument that, like, you have to practice. You have to practice. You must do that. Maybe not as much as they do, but you've got to practice before you just line up and play football. Like, I'll listen to that argument. You don't have to do this. We know because we saw it a year ago, and it was fine. And were there still injuries? Of course. This is football that we're talking about. Players are still going to get hurt, but get hurt when the games matter. Get hurt when the games count for something. End the charade of preseason football. Period. End it. Forever. There is nothing good about preseason football. There is no benefit at all to this occurring. And I want to make it abundantly clear. I'm not blaming the NFL for J.K. Dobbins getting hurt because, again, somebody else, unfortunately, is going to get hurt in week one and somebody's going to get hurt in week two and somebody's going to get so on and so forth. Cam Akers got hurt before the season ever began. There are going to be injuries. Just don't let them happen during preseason football games because there's no upside. There's no benefit. It can only be bad. The best case scenario is that you come out at absolute zero. It's a joke. Now what do the Ravens do? That's, that's where we go from here. By the way, I had a great time at the BMW Championship. I don't know what your experience was like. Sweat I, a little bit. Yeah, it was hot. There's no doubt about that. I, 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 I enjoyed it um, as much as I can, considering I don't care about the sport. I know that uh, Sunday uh, proved to be uh, I watched it yesterday. It was pretty exciting. Incredible theater. And um, we'll talk more about it with Kevin Van Valkenburg later. There's some hand-wringing about whether or not um, the course was too easy and does that hurt the, the Baltimore's chances and Cave's chances of other major events or is that exactly what the PGA wanted in order to get people to tune in and watch guys go birdie after birdie. I mean, there was a point where my father and I started the day on Saturday out at 12 because they were teeing guys off from 10 
and like the first nine dudes, something like that, all birdied um, the twelfth hole. Like it was just insane. You had you had to purpose, and they none of them made their putt. They all had eagle putts. They mm-hmm. all just missed them. Like you had to try very hard to not birdie the twelfth hole. It was. Well, they made the fairways as wide as they did, right? What's that? They made the fairways as wide as they did, right? That was well, sort of I mean, what I, Drew I, was saying is that they they designed it to be scored on. A little bit, but maybe yes. they didn't expect it to be scored on at this maybe, extent. Maybe not to this extent. Right? I don't know. We'll talk more about it with Kevin Van Valkenburg. We'll see. That's, to me, at this point, I don't care at all about, you know, the Patrick Camp. No offense. I mean, God he bless him. He putted pretty well. Yeah, he putted quite well. Uh, God bless uh, him, and obviously he made some money, and there's going to be a lot more money at stake next week, but I, I won't watch a lick of that. Um, I came, care more about the course and what it means for the future, and we'll talk a little bit about Bryson because I know uh, Kevin wrote something thoughtful about Bryson this morning, but we'll talk far more about the course and whether or not caves will be an option for future BMWs, for maybe a Ryder Cup, something along those lines. Um, what do the Ravens do is the question now. That's, that's, that's the billion-dollar question because there's no correct answer. It's not what I'm going to write about today, and I'll get back to that later, but like... If I had written about it, I would have told you that there is no... There's a lot of people that have really strong opinions about one of the, what the Ravens should do, and none of you are right. Because all of you are right. There so is no answer right. here. There's none. There is no correct answer to this. This thing where people are like, well, I wouldn't be giving up draft capital for a running back. Why not? Well, what kind of draft pick are we talking about here? I'm mean, going to give I'm up not. a second or third round pick or well, a fourth. It depends either. on who the running back is that I can get. If I can get Christian McCaffrey, I would. If I can no. get Derrick Henry, I would do it. Sixth or, or Yeah, plus. I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not this thing where I'm going to minimize. I, I don't know why those guys would be available. I'm not trying to pretend They're that not. they would. Um, but this is – I'm 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 not unwilling. That, I think that we're we're continuing to gauge how the rest of the NFL uses running backs and forgetting that this is the Baltimore Ravens that we're talking about. We cannot underestimate how critical losing J.K. Dobbins is to this football team. Somebody might also we, argue, though, that if you're replacing Derrick Henry or replacing Christian McCaffrey, despite Mike Davis looking good in times last year, is perhaps easier in, or harder, I should say, in an offense that they run where you don't have Lamar Jackson I mean, than replacing a running back the, in the Ravens' offense. I understand that there's a difference m- between... Maybe. Like, the difference is, ultimately, J.K. Dobbins would have turned the six yards that might be there for any given running back to take into 20-plus more often than not and increase the chances of there being home runs. But I do think the Ravens have the luxury due to what Lamar Jackson does to a defense and his threat of running to at least... Yeah, it didn't work for Mark Ingram. I'm not denying that, but it did work for Gus Edwards. I understand. Well, it's always worked it's for Gus Edwards. I think part of that is Gus Edwards is really good at what he does. But even when he was like... We, we can acknowledge Gus Edwards is better now and a more elusive runner, a more lateral runner than he was his rookie year. A his bit. rookie year, it was straight gonna, up the gut. I understand take, that, but I'm not going to try to oversell that. He's not a complete running back. Not, He's really good at what he does. No and doubt. by the way, I have all, uh, incredible faith in Gus Edwards being a guy in this offense, no doubt about it. But considering how often the Ravens are going to run, this notion that because Lamar Jackson's there and it's the Greg Roman system, you can just take the next guy and plug him in, I don't believe that for even a split second, which doesn't mean that ultimately won't be what they will do. 
I don't. Look, Tyson Williams. Look, th- we're not. We're not going to do the Tyson Williams thing. Well, he's Tyson currently Williams, the, the guy gonna, who would at, presumably at the be moment, the number two running back. He would be if Justice Hill is unavailable. That's. I don't know. I don't. This thing where we've just elevated Tyson Williams ahead of Justice Hill because we haven't seen Justice Hill. I don't know that Tyson Williams would be ahead of Justice Hill. I I get why you feel that way. Part of it is because the Ravens have barely used Justice Hill, but they have. They've actually given Justice Hill carries in games. Tyson Williams has never been that guy. So we're saying that he would be the number two guy, in part because we don't know if Justice Hill would be available for week one of the NFL season. But we don't even know that. We don't even know who the number two guy would be if all three running backs are available in this offense. We have no clue. We just don't. We, we couldn't have a clue because they haven't been available. So we don't have any idea of what that would look like. We get hot and bothered by what we see in preseason football games, which, again, if you miss the first part, don't matter for a lick. So we get very excited about Tyson Williams. And I'm not trying to tell you that he might not be a thing. He might be a thing. But we get carried away because we were watching the games and we think that they matter because we're watching them. We have no idea if he's actually a thing or not. It might prove that he is, maybe. We'll find out, perhaps. I'm going to have to give it a caveat every time because we don't know. We have no clue whatsoever if that's the case. I Am I – do I, I – I don't think the Ravens' answer should be to do nothing, which is an option, and it's an option that some people might prefer. I also don't think it's like – People want to talk about Todd Gurley. I don't think that's the answer necessarily either. Now, would it be... I don't know if it's the answer, but it's something they could do. And is it going to hurt them? Absolutely not. I, I'm not telling you it's... I think that Todd Gurley's got something that you got... I I don't believe that Todd Gurley can ever be Todd Gurley again. And I certainly wouldn't be in favor of signing him before week one. You would sign him after week one so that you don't guarantee his contract for the season if you were to sign him. Um, I don't even know that he's the best of the street free agents that are available, but is he someone that they looked at that they might feel some comfort level with, that they might say, hey, we knew where he was at that point, and we think he's in a place where he can offer something, and so he'd be a guy that we would sign? Sure, but is he an answer? I don't think so. Do I have more faith in Tyson Williams than I do in in Todd Gurley? No, I don't. I would be more inclined to give him – at least a first crack than to just defer to Todd Gurley. I mean, I don't know about deferring. I don't I don't know about that. I have no idea how it feels. I mean, about. I Neither think I, of, it, Here's the thing. Tyson Williams has never done anything in the NFL. Sure. Ever. Yes. And there's nothing about his track record that suggests that he was an NFL running back. Now, that doesn't mean he can't be. Gus Edwards wasn't either. And running back is, if any position is unpredictable as far as players who could turn out to be guys. But, but having a think guy running back is more on run the, hard in the preseason does not do anything to present greater evidence to me that he can be that guy. It would be something that he would have to do in a real football I game. I understand. I'm not denying that. But I think the nature of like running styles matter. Running styles, whether it be decisiveness, elusiveness, pass-catching ability, the type of player that you are, if you have the ability to plant your foot in the ground and hit a hole when it's there, particularly in this offense, this is sort of what they are asking the running backs to do, and Dobbins is special. We, we acknowledge Dobbins and Gus Edwards are more special than your run-of-the-mill, off-of-the-street free agent. But in this offense, where Lamar Jackson does stress the ends laterally, makes people worry about the edge of the football field, 
there are going to be more lanes in the middle. So if you have the ability to diagnose and hit that hole quicker than others, that has to mean something. I'm not even saying Tyson Williams is the one that has that best, I, I, I right? Don't, I don't know. I, does it mean something? Maybe. Maybe it means something. I, it, it's something you've got to be able to do in an NFL game when you're facing NFL competition. And sure, but I there are certain running backs who are, look, we saw, of course, Jamal Lewis back in the day would yes, dance behind the backfield and wait and, and wait and wait and sometimes never find the hole. And, and right? Le'Veon like, Bell is that type of sure. thing. Yes. So I don't think necessarily that is what the Ravens would be looking for here. I don't think so. I've heard a lot of people bring Le'Veon Bell's name back up. I Look, I'm not saying I, take a flyer on Le'Veon Bell. That's a bad idea. They still need a pass-catching running back, we think, right? Like, they still need the a guy on third it, down yeah. who can, you can make the argument stand next to Lamar things. and, you know, catch the ball and then block if they need to. But, like, again, like you said, there's no easy answer there, here. This is the problem. This, this is a critical issue that faces the Ravens. And an actual answer is not likely to be had and that's part of the problem. Like, if there was an actual answer, you probably would have gone that route before the season began. I, the notion that you're going to find J.K. Dobbins at this point is somewhat comical. And I'm the, what we think J.K. Dobbins was going to be. He certainly had shown a lot of signs already. He led the league in yards per carry a year ago. Um, but what we thought J.K. Dobbins was even going to be a step more than what we had already seen. It's it's extraordinarily unlikely that you're going to find that. But you presumably need to do something. It's You can say, hey, we'll take somebody that gets cut this week, and you might be able to find an answer of some sort. You might be able to. Or maybe the Browns cut that Dearness fellow. Yeah, Dearness Johnson, maybe. I don't know. A lot of guys are going to get cut. I don't, sure. I don't know who's going to get cut and who they're going to think has value um, beyond the guys that are already in the building. I don't know. Could you trade for somebody? Absolutely. But, you know, the Ravens are certainly reticent to give up draft picks. That's not true. That's not true. Eric DaCosta has shown more of a willingness to trade draft. That's not true. I'm going to take that back. The Eric DaCosta regime has been more willing. They're also trying to acquire draft Mm -hmm. picks, of course. They've done a great job getting quality players for... Yes, for reasonable yeah, prices, right. correct. And so if there is a back that can be had that I, I'm, I'm sure not, they're making calls. This thing where somebody would say I wouldn't trade for a running back, I maybe I would feel that way if I were the Washington football team, or maybe I would feel that way if I were the the Green Bay Packers. Maybe I don't know. Pick the phone to see if Jared Patterson's available. I, I mean, if they cut him, I would absolutely take a look at Jared Patterson. There's no, no doubt about that. Um, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I'm willing to trade for a running back because it's such a critical part of the success of my football team. I'm not only willing to do it, I'm inclined to do it. I am. I have far more inclination to acquire a running back via trade than I do to just pick up someone else's scraps or hope that my own scraps are good enough to get me through the year. And I say that in part, not necessarily because I don't think it's possible, but because the thing that we don't want to talk about is that Gus Edwards could get hurt too. Like, this is the issue that you don't... You're, you're 17 games away from the playoffs. If this team's going to make a run towards the Super Bowl, you're 20 games away. I, I, Gus Edwards is a very durable dude so far, but unfortunately, we know the reality I'm not going into the season with my answers, my options at running back being Gus Edwards and let's hope. I need a better answer than that because Gus Edwards could get hurt too. Again, knock on every piece of wood that I can find. So the only, the only answer that I think is 
bad. I think it's a bad answer to say do nothing. I do. I do think it's a bad answer to say nothing. That being said, could prove wrong, right? I mean, once upon a time, Gus Edwards was this guy that we didn't know was going to become that player. It's possible that Justice Hill, with more time on the field and actually getting opportunities, could prove to be an NFL running back. It's possible that Tyson Williams could prove to be an NFL running back. We have no reason to believe it today, but it's possible. It's just not what I would do. I wouldn't bank on that for a team that's trying to win a Super Bowl where the running back position is incredibly critical because you're going to be the running the ball so much. It's not what I would do. I would be opposed. Opposed. Um, today's show is also brought to you. I'm going to get to your responses. I want to hear from you what you think the Ravens should do. Um, I'll, I will get to them as the morning goes on. Today's show also brought to you by Great Eights Memorabilia. We're just eight days away from the first Tyus Bowser show at Mother's in Pasadena. We'll be there one week from tomorrow night, Tuesday, September 7th, with the Baltimore linebacker and his special guest. Can't wait to see you next Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Everybody in attendance will have the opportunity to get a socially distanced picture and an autograph from Tyus and his guest next Tuesday night. The Tyus Bowser Show brought to you by Pressbox, Great Eights Memorabilia, and Express Interior Design. Find out more, pressboxonline.com slash Bowser, as well as greateightsmemorabilia.com. Joining us now, he, of course, covers the Baltimore Ravens for The Athletic. He has our friend Jeff Zrebeck, and he's with us on GCR. Jeff, it's Glenn and Kyle. It's great to talk to you, as always, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're all right. Um, I, I, I'm going to ask, ask you the question that I know you don't know the answer to. What do you do? What, what do you do now? It's, this is, I think this is somehow maybe even more of a critical situation than it's, it's being – you know, given credit for, this is a massive part of what the Baltimore Ravens do and how they have their success. And for as much as people want to be excited about what they've seen from Tyson Williams in training camp and in preseason games, I, you know, I don't know that you go into the year saying Gus Edwards and we hope for the best after that. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I'm somewhere there in the middle. I, I don't think you, you have to panic um, only because, I don't think there's a substitute for J.K. Dobbins that you're going to find right. like right now. Like, you know, I, I'm just kind of tired of the, you know, just because a guy was a pro bowler three years ago or, or, or all that, um, then he'd be a good fit here and he'd give them some of what they're going to lose for, uh, you know, uh, J.K. Dobbins being out, you know, and I'm kind of referring to guys like Le'Veon Bell and Mark Ingram and, um, you know, obviously Ty Gurley. Now, I'm not saying you don't consider those guys. I think you do, but I don't think you have to be desperate here. You know, I, I think Gus Edwards, look, every, the last couple of years we've come out of the year saying Gus Edwards needs more touches. Gus Edwards needs to be more involved in the passing game. Well, here you go. Uh, I think we've been waiting for Justice Hill to get an opportunity. Now, I don't think, you know, just because he was on the roster bubble doesn't mean he kind of was chalked up as a lost cause i mean he's been hurt and that's the problem now is if he's going to be ready next couple weeks i think you keep him on board and and i think you give tyson williams an opportunity um i think he's the type of downhill running back that could uh you know be uh what gus edwards was a couple years ago you know he he was a fine a couple years ago off the practice squad maybe tyson williams can be that guy um but yeah I, i think you probably look there's gonna be Dozens of running backs that get moved to the waiver wire and become available. 
uh, in the next couple of days. Um, there are already a bunch of guys on the street available. This is the most run-friendly scheme in the NFL. Um, Greg Roman has run the ball wherever he's been, and as long as Lamar Jackson has that element to his game, they're going to be able to run the football. Um, so I think you can get in a guy that at least can be reasonably productive without, you know, trying to make a trade or just do something crazy. I, you know, I just think you have to kind of weigh your options in these next 48 hours, see what you got, and, uh, you know, try to make the best decision just to kind of add some depth at that position because you're not going to get an acceptable replacement for J.K. Dobbins at this point in the season. So I agree with – I definitely agree with that, Jeff. The one thing I would – like, I would not be unwilling to trade for a back. And, and I say this all – and I I know that Gus Edwards is a durable guy, but I you know it's a lot to put on making sure that one player stays healthy throughout the course of the season. I I would be willing not to to go crazy because those guys aren't even available. But like if there is a a a solid player that's available for a mid to late round pick, and running back tends to be a a position where those types of players are available, I wouldn't be unwilling to do that just because of the significance of the position within this offense. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't either. And, and um, you know, as I said, I, I'm not going to trade a second or third round pick probably for a guy. Right. But, you, you you know, day three, sure. I mean, you know, they have 10 or 11, they, they have 10 or 11 draft picks already for next year. Um, you know, they don't have 10 or 11 open roster spots where they're going to be able right. to accommodate guys. So, right. it, you know, the, a couple of those have to be used as trade, trade capital. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you see the right guy, if you feel you really like him, I think what I'm just kind of getting at, um, Glenn, is I'm totally fine with going the young route. Um, you know, getting young guys in here, going with the young legs. I, I'm not obsessing over the fact that they need a veteran at this position. Um, I think it's going to be by committee anyway. And I think if you can get somebody, uh, and, and if that's somebody in a trade, okay. But if you can get somebody that has a good diversified skill set to what Gus Edwards has, um, then I think you'll be fine. I, I mean, I'm not trying to undersell this as a loss. J.K. Dobbins is a huge loss. He's probably their second best playmaker, um, you know, beyond number eight. So, um, but, you know, I just don't think you have to just get all crazy in trying to make up for it. Um, you know, I still have other concerns about other areas on the field, um, you know, other than running back. Sure. So, uh, we'll see. So it's going to be a tough one because, you know, he completely changed how they ran the ball last year. That's, that's something. I mean, they completely, you know, teams were having a little more success against their running game last year until they, you know, until J.K. Dimes, uh, you know, became a key part of it, and they kind of changed how they were running the ball and used much more of J.K. on the perimeter, mm-hmm. and, and teams couldn't stop that. And we saw them roll right into the playoffs again uh, with that team. Now they're going to, again, have to sort of redo how they're doing things and decide what they need to focus on to be really good at running the football. You mentioned uh, diversified skill set. I mean, are we to believe that entering the season, J.K. Dobbins was the de facto third down running back? And then you mentioned also Gus Edwards maybe getting more of a role in the passing game. Do we expect he'll just slide into that role, or is that a real factor in how they make this decision? I think they could use somebody with that you know can help them as, as the receiver and on third down. Um, but I wasn't necessarily pinpointing J.K. Dobbins in that third down role just because he struggled at times with pass, pass protection. 
you know, last year. And you can't be on the field in third down if you can't pick up a blitz. And I think we saw it at different spots of the year where that hurt them. So um, I, I think he's going to get a shot to do that role. But I don't. I didn't have that in pen that he was definitely going to be their third down guy. You know, Justice Hill does a nice job at times in pass protection, but I know kind of people have sort of closed the book on him, and and it's hard not to when you haven't seen him on the field for the last two and a half weeks. But um, I think he could slide into that role. But yeah, I I think the guy you could, and I don't know. I mean. Tyson Williams has thrown some really good blocks in some of these games. Some of them have been downfield. I know he did a nice seal block to get uh, Tyler Huntley in the end zone uh, Saturday night. But from a pass protection standpoint, I I don't know. I just haven't seen enough of it. And you won't see enough of it unless he's playing in there in the games. But I do think they could use another guy that can kind of be a factor on third downs, like a third down back. Like, you know, kind of, and I know he's available, but I don't know how healthy he is. But like kind of a guy like Duke Johnson used to Mm -hmm. be, you know, how they they used to use kind of Duke Johnson in Cleveland um, to be that third down back who uh, was kind of almost like an extra receiver out there. I'm going to finish the running back conversation this way, Jeff. You might have just given the answer. What I was going to say is, is there any guy that's out there that you would say, that all being said, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy was a Baltimore Raven in the next couple of days? Like a, a trade candidate as or, a running or, back? Or a street for, you know, any of these guys that you just say a relationship with, you know, whatever the reason being that you would say, I wouldn't be surprised if that guy ended up being a guy that they look at. I mean, how can you be surprised if it's Gurley be just because he's been here? Right, they brought him in. Uh, he does have extensive, uh, you know, receiving uh, skills, and he's done it in the past, and he wants a job, and I imagine he'd probably come a league minimum. I mean, they didn't find it. They didn't think Ty Gurley was going to be able to make their team if they signed him before training camp. You know, they, and his knees are not in good shape, and it's a health thing. But if they think as sort of a change of pace guy, a veteran that they could bring in, could help them a little bit on third downs, they could trust him with different things. And, you know, maybe he gets four or five touches a week and they could kind of shepherd him through the season and give him a bunch of practices off and get him through. You know, I don't think that one would surprise me at all. He's kind of the guy that sticks out, but that's probably because he's already been here, you know, to visit and there's a, there's kind of a background there. But, no, I know the age that, you know, I've talked to a bunch of agents who are already pitching the Ravens on running backs. And, um, you know, I think people feel like they have to, make a move there i don't think the ravens feel that way i think there's they realize there's going to be a ton every team's going to put one or two backs on the wire yep and most teams have an extra running back that they probably like to keep and they just don't have roster room so i I do think they'll have uh you know plenty of those myriad options over the next 36 hours now not going to make anybody whoever they get is probably not going to make anyone forget about jk dobbins but uh we'll give them some depth uh behind gus edwards Uh, i think so all right, uh, Jeff's back from The Athletic with us on GCR. Jeff, um, before this happened on Saturday, there were a lot of questions about who was going to be healthy at wide receiver. Do we have any better of a feeling of who might be available come week one and who might be lined up for the fans at wide receiver at that point? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of going to be the big story at practice later today. There are all these guys out there. You know, I'll be honest, the, the Marquise Brown thing has gotten a little weird to me because – We've seen him now for three, probably three, maybe more than three weeks doing conditioning and work on the other side of the field. And he's running faster than the receivers are actually practicing. I mean, he's doing sprints. He's doing medicine ball work. He looks great. 
Um, but I guess this is just simply, Glenn, a case of we're not going to have a setback with this guy. We're going to make sure he's going to be perfect and he's going to be 100% before we're going to even put him on the field. And, again, he was out um, at FedEx before the game working out, running routes. He seems to be ready to me. Now, uh, I don't have any – I'm not privy to the medical stuff and right. what he's saying and what he's telling athletic trainers. But it would not surprise me if he's on the field at some point this week – Bateman, I don't expect to see still for a couple weeks. I, I still think he's the ideal. You know, you keep him on the 53-man, and then you uh, move him to Iowa after Tuesday of four, and uh, you start looking for him and give him week four, which would be the earliest he could play. Say, look, Rashad, get, don't worry about these first three weeks. Get ready for week four, get in shape, and let's shoot for week four, and anything close to that will be good with. Uh, the Boykin thing, uh, if you asked me, they have, what, 78 guys in the roster. If you asked me who's the one guy you're you're that unsure what they're going to do on the all out of those 78 guys, uh, Boykin would be my answer. Okay. Because he doesn't look like he's as far along in the rehab as Marquise Brown is. He's been working out with them, running with them, and, and Deion Kane was part of that group until recently. Deion Kane got back this past week, but... He was clearly the number three guy out of the guys, how far they were long. The other guys were just running harder, doing more. And we just and then there was a couple of days last week we didn't see him doing any conditioning whatsoever. So did he have a setback? I don't think so, but I don't we don't know for sure. And did they envision him being on the team in the first place? I think so, just because he adds diversity to that receiving group that they don't have. And they're going to wind up cutting a bunch of their core special teamers. They already have cut a few, and they're going to probably move on for a few more. So his special teams all of a sudden comes into play. But I don't know, and I don't know where he's at. He still seemed to be a little bit a ways away. Um, and I'm not talking about multiple weeks, but you know, maybe a week or so based on just what we're seeing on the practice field. So uh, that's one I don't know, but... Uh, I think this week I'd be surprised if we didn't see Marquise Brown back at practice it, in some in some capacity this week, even if it's in a red jersey. Um, and then you know maybe Boykin shortly behind. I just want to make sure that I'm 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 not misunderstanding you, Jeff. Are you is the is the idea that there is a possibility that Boykin could end up being outright released just because of his health situation and a sheer numbers game? That even if that's just released for a day to you got to make your moves to get somebody on the IR, and then you could sign him back. Is, are you saying it's possible that when they they go down, it's tomorrow, correct? That that he... well, I don't think you know. There's going to be nobody does roster gymnastics better than the Ravens. I mean, they're looking for every loophole in the book, as we right. know. But I don't think Boykin is one of those guys who just release with a handshake agreement and say, "Look, we'll resign you in a couple days," because he's eligible for waivers. He's not a vested veteran yet. So you'd lose him on a claim. I'm sure there'd be, you know, okay. uh, looking at the Houston Texans and colleagues right. there, I'm sure there would be teams that would take a shot at a guy like that. Um, so it would be more a veteran that you'd kind of do that with. Maybe it's Levine. Maybe it's Jimmy Smith. Maybe it's Pernell McPhee. Maybe it's the tight end Tomlinson or, or Justin Ellis, a guy where you'd say, look, we're going to release you now. We have three guys we need to keep on the 53-man initial roster that we're going to move to IR you know, Wednesday at four and we're going to resign you right. guys back to the team at the same contract you were going to, you know, play under if you had made the team, but Boykin wouldn't be one of those guys, but you know, but yeah. And the question is say injuries weren't, uh, uh, 
weren't a factor here, Glenn. Was he going to yeah, be on was the team guaranteed? Yeah. With? I yeah. don't think that was a hundred percent lock. I yeah. think it was likely, just because he's really the only guy that has a good bit of size. You line up in certain places, can do some tight endish things, and play special teams, and then blocks. You know, they keep guys all the time just to play special teams. So I don't think it's outlandish to keep a wide receiver for blocking and special teams. Sure. But I'm I'm just not sure. I he. You know, even when he was healthy this early in camp, he was not playing with a whole lot of confidence. Uh, it's it's quite fair. And, I mean, I don't think we could be shocked if he ends up sort of just not being on the roster because you know, we've been doing this for years, and at some point you got to be a guy, right? And if they can't prove it, I I can't be stunning at that point. Um, Jeff's got no, and, it. And, yeah, go ahead. And, and, Glenn, the other one, just to get kind of as we're previewing some of the moves, the one guy that I, I think – uh, as another question, I think they have to make a decision on Jimmy Smith. And wow. he's one of the longest tenured players. Um, sounds like he's close to practicing, but there's been a way longer absence than they suspected. And with Jimmy, the question is always, how long can you trust him to stay healthy? How long is it going to take for him to work his way back into form where he's not thinking about the injuries and all that? They love Jimmy Smith. Everybody loves Jimmy Smith. But they also may have to cut two corner young cornerbacks because they don't have a roster flexibility to keep you know maybe Nigel Warrior and Chris Webstry. I think Westry's probably on the team. Warrior's the guy they'd like to keep. Our Darius Washington is in their DB, plays in the nickel that I think they'd prefer to keep but you know what do you do with Jimmy Smith? Like do you trust that you're going to be able to get a lot out of him? Get enough out of him where even if he's not healthy now he'll be healthy in two weeks and you'll be ready to go, and you'll trust to use him against Waller in week one and Kelsey in, in week two. I don't know. I mean, it's just a tough call to make on Jimmy Smith, and it's just complicated by the fact that, um, you know, he has such a, you know, a history with the team, and I don't think Jimmy wants to play anywhere else. This may be it if, if he doesn't get on the 53-man roster. So he's another guy I don't think anyone's talking about as much. But it would not be surprised if they had to make a tough call with him. Not that they'd cut him and say it's over, although you never know. But they may that may have used him as kind of a guy to get off the roster for a little while and say, look, go and get healthy. And uh, when, when we have a spot or when we need you, uh, we'll talk about this again. Uh, you know, when you look at all those guys in the roster, him and Boyd are kind of the guys that stand out. I hear you, Jeff. And, and I know Jeff, Jeff wrote a great piece about the roster situation at The Athletic, and I'd encourage you to go read it. And I, I believe I saw you said there's another 50% off deal right now. And if you're not yeah. subscribed to The Athletic, you're an insane person. It's just tough for me, Jeff, because we also know this football team has been much better. And I get it. It's the caveat of when Jimmy Smith is healthy. Like, they have been – it's almost been night and day in recent years, right, when Jimmy Smith has been healthy. And so it's tough to – to even consider a risk of him not being around. But I get what you're saying. And when you have to get down to 53 and there's going to be injured players that have to be involved with it because they got to be on the roster first, it's going to have to make a tough decision or two knowing that other guys might get scooped up. So it, it, it will be interesting to see that play out. At uh, Jeff's Rebeck on Twitter is how you follow him. Jeff, really appreciate it as always, my friend. We will see how this plays out in the next couple of days, and we will talk to you soon again. I no doubt about that. Thank you for taking Sounds the time. Good for guys, us. always uh, always enjoy it, and uh, hope you guys have a great week. You too, bud. Jeff's Rebeck, love that guy. Appreciate him taking the time for us. And boy, I mean, that's uh, it's a bit much to think about, isn't it? It's a bit much to think that there's some scenario where Jimmy Smith. Now, I get what he's what he's saying isn't just you're cutting loose Jimmy Smith. 
what he's saying is you're for now using Jimmy Smith to do what you yeah, need to sure. do to manipulate the roster. It's also somewhere yeah, akin to the old Anquan Bolden. I don't want to play anywhere else but Baltimore. So you overplaying your hand, thinking that you could just cut him because he only wants to play in well, Baltimore. Yeah, and he but, would be going but, somewhere else. But I know fairness, he's a they, different they, level of career, different level of player at this right. point and all that. And that all of those risks are significant somewhere else. I'm, is there somebody else that would sign Jimmy Smith? Of course there is. Somebody else mm-hmm. would sign. We, I guess we don't have to take a break here. Somebody else would sign Jimmy Smith, I think. But if you do go to him and say, look, if you if you go to him ahead of time, and say we're doing this because we need to prevent so and so from being available where he doesn't have a choice of where he's going. Would you be willing to play along with us? It is totally plausible that Jimmy Smith comes back and says, "Okay, yeah, sure, I'll play along with you. I don't really want to get on a plan. I don't really want to move my family. I'll play along with you." I think it's plausible that it could play out that way and only look shocking when you see the transaction, not actually have it be as shocking as you think it was. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. It's been far too long since we uh, caught up with one of my favorite human beings on the face of the planet. He, of course, Kevin Van Valkenburg from ESPN, and he's back with us. Uh, We'll hug it out here on GCR. Hey, buddy, it's uh, good to talk to you. Thank you for doing it. I always appreciate you, my friend. What a pleasure it is to hear Man, it's been too long. I'm so sorry. It's on me. I, it's it's totally on me. It's been way too long. I just need to cover more Baltimore things. I, I, it, it did happen to work out for me that that's the way that it went. Hey, before we get into it, do you remember where you were 10 years ago today? Huh. 10 years ago today, 2011, in the summer. I do not. We were, we were, me? We were together. We were, uh, I, w- I was standing, you were seated, and I think you were the only man in the entire building that was seated. Ten years ago today, we were at Hill Fieldhouse watching LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Carmelo Anthony and Chris Paul play basketball in front of a overstuffed audience at Morgan State University. And I'm writing about it today at PressBox because it remains to me, my friend, one of my absolute favorite moments ever in being around sports in Baltimore. It it something about that night was just so unbelievably special that I, I don't know that anybody that wasn't there could ever understand it. I uh, thought about this actually a couple of days ago. I had no idea that this was the 10 year sort of, you know, mark from this, but for some reason it popped into my head. I think because I was like, man, like that was wild when I was like in a, in a small college arena with Correct. LeBron and Kevin Durant, like these supernova stars. And, at the end, like what Durant, I feel like hit a big shot or something, and the the court was flooded. I think that I it was thinking about it in terms of something to do with golf related because it was basically like security or whatever the separation between fans right, and right. players was a complete myth. Like they were just all kinds of people. Mobbing. Kevin Durant was kind of basking in the the you know as a very different time for him. He was certainly not seeing frustrated by the the stuff of fame that has come over the last 10 years and and just it's wild to think of lebron being in the mix of that too so yeah great I, moment my, one of my favorite things about it is, is what i thought about it because i watched the uh, the malice at the palace uh documentary mm-hmm. recently and that was why i was thinking about it i never felt like there was danger though that night like for as no. many people <laughs> as they were there it felt like they were there to love these great yep. athletes and there was when they were crushing the floor and when 
it was the greatest fire hazard I've ever seen in my entire life in that building. <laughs> I never felt like a remote sense of danger at all, despite the fact that I couldn't yeah. move. It was just yeah. one of those atmospheres that I'll never be able to compare anything to. That 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 thing. Yeah, that it's funny to think too. I was like trying to write about it on Deadline right. for uh, the Baltimore Sun, and so that's why I was sitting down for yeah. windows. No, I was like furiously pecking away at my computer. That's a fact. I need to go back and read my story because I have no idea what some, I, some stories I can literally remember like lines them. I have. No recollection. I, I think I recently, because I was writing about it, I think I recently reread your story about it. And I don't remember, like, I, I wish I could tell you the details of it, but um, <laughs> it was just a special night, man. It was a special night. Uh, and for what it's worth, I thought it was a special weekend this weekend. And you know me, dude. I'm not a golf guy. Like, it's not my yeah. thing. And yet, I got out there with my dad on Saturday and... You know, I know that, that we'll talk about some of the gimmicky stuff and the fact that the, the scores were so low, but as a whole... I thought it was a really kind of wonderful moment for the city mm -hmm. and for the region. And I, I sense that everyone that went out there this week, whether they were a golf fan or not, really seemed to enjoy themselves. And I thought it was a pretty neat experience to have it right here in our hometown. Yeah, I uh, think, too. I mean, I think if you're a golf nerd uh, like I am, or I was just talking to your old colleague, Drew Forrester, a little bit this morning, and we were kind of like, Oh, it's sort of funny to see him just, you know, absolutely obliterate the course. And right. Shoot, you know, 60 and you know, 61, 60 and 59, almost progressing on on uh, Friday. But, you know, what was really going to bring in people who hadn't seen a PGA Tour event in 60 years here? Was it guys grinding and the final score was like eight under? Or was it like guys just absolutely throwing darts and, you know, making a ton of birdies? I think it was the right setup for... um you know, a, a place that really, you know, has been yearning to see some good golf for many years. So I had a, a ton of fun. The crowd I mean, was a big crowds, you know, mostly respectful crowds, uh, we'll, lively. We'll, we'll get to that. I, I know you wrote a little bit about that. We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, was, I, I was, uh, happy to get to cover it for ESPN. I think it was, you know, they were thrilled that I was local and able to kind of jump in on it. And so, uh, and I've, you know, I always love writing about golf. And so, you know, it was a perfect storm for me. Uh, and I, I agree that guy, the caves is not an easy walk, uh, up and down, whether you're playing or whether you're, um, a fan, but it was able to, you know, a lot, you were able to kind of post up and see a lot of cool stuff. And then I, I don't know if you stayed till the very end yesterday, or if you were there yesterday and, uh, as opposed to Saturday, but like I had a lot of fun, even though it required a lot of, little cardio on my part walking <laughs> up and down each time with the playoffs, you know, yeah. six holes, uh, hustling each time while the players are in carts can, uh, be a little bit of a drain, but, uh, it was fun. All right. So let's cover a couple of things. The, uh, the reception yeah. would make me think that the PJ tour would want to be back in Baltimore at some point because it was, it was so well received and, and it was so popular. That being said, I don't know. Did, was the, was the course too easy? Does, does that hurt, caves chances or is that really what the pga wanted is you know scores that were crazy people you know giving more attention because of it was it too easy that that means hey there might not be future bmws in baltimore yeah i don't know the entirely answer to that i mean i think the pga tour probably does want uh its playoffs to you know have lots of birdie opportunities like these these guys don't want to grind over three footers that they have to make to stay in contention. At this point in the year, they've been kind of 
playing a ton. They've been beat up. The the guys who are, you know, going to advance to the Ryder Cup have even more golf. It's a little bit like the, you know, NBA, the last week of the NBA playoffs or whatever, where guys, you know, they're gearing up for something a little bigger. And so, like, not kind of acknowledging that the Ryder Cup is important without really truly acknowledging this sort of all in play. I just think that, you know, there are some of the players didn't like it and they were sort of saying like yeah this isn't really my kind of golf but i think for the most part they were like yeah you know this is fine like this is fun you just get you bomb it out there you don't have to really like try to fit shots in in certain places everybody can hit driver and that's fun and you know so i don't know i think what this uh championship is sort of the bmw does is it moves all around um throughout the region it was in chicago last year it'll be in Wilmington next year, and so you know, it's they want to kind of spread it around and give basically places an opportunity that might not get a tournament every year to um, to soak it in. And I think that's actually good because it keeps every time they show up at a new place like it's sort of fresh. It's not right. like oh, do you want to go out to the you know caves yet again like this year? It's like oh man, this hasn't been here in so long. Let's go out to caves. So if it if it comes back in five years, I think that's totally reasonable, and it's possible that you know they could get a little different weather. Although, if you know you're doing it this time of the year, this is basically what golf in Maryland is. It's, it's soft, it's humid, it's you're going to get thunderstorms at night, and they're just going to be able to attack it and tear it up. So I, I don't think it was too easy for the casual fan, or really the the tour. I think it was only too easy for like super golf nerds who care about that kind of thing. It, it, Drew has talked about, we're talking about Kevin Van Valkenburg from ESPN. Drew has talked about like, he thinks it would be an ideal place for a Ryder cup at some point. And mm. the crowd to me, which would bet, which would say, yeah, this is the place Hey, people, this place would be insane if there were a Ryder mm-hmm. cup here. But <laughs> it, from a golf standpoint, is that like, does, does it fit that way that, that, that caves could be a Ryder cup location? Mm. Part of the problem with the Ryder cup is you need like, such a huge amount of infrastructure like there might be room at caves but like they would want to pack so many i don't know if they have enough like parking yeah i don't know if they have you know some a lot of times rider cups have like hotels on site you know i think there's like three or four rooms or cabins where you can stay in a cave so I, you know it's a lot of that those decisions too are sort of powered by where the money the corporate money is sort of um interested in being sure. uh you know is they're going to have it at, at uh, beth page up in new york uh in four years and i think that that's kind of you know they, they've been anticipating that and wanting it for a long time because it's right there and sort of the financial you know supernova of the united states and so i think that i'd say it's unlikely it might be a, a decent venue for the Ryder Cup and maybe in the fall, you know, when they usually have the Ryder Cup in October, it would be a little firmer and a little bit more of a test. But I think it's probably unlikely uh, that that would ever happen. Let's talk about the Bryson thing. I, I read your your column this morning and it's it's provoking because I and again, I say this as someone who is not a golf person whatsoever, but yet I still know enough to have found Bryson unlike a bull. Right. Like mm-hmm. he just he just sort of kind of rubs you the wrong way a little bit. Um, I don't know enough about Brooks Kepka to know whether or not he is a likable guy. Um, is is your thought that like specifically it's time for fans to stop yelling Brooksy at him, or 
you know, like, is it is it more complicated than that? Like this relationship between fans and Bryce and DeChambeau? Sure. I think that you know me that like sometimes I'm trying to write uh, columns that are sort of like thought experiments, right? Yeah. I don't have a specific uh, answer to this question and try to sort of pose it as such in the middle of that piece where I essentially said, like, how can you sit here and say that, like, it's okay, it's it's not okay to shout another player's name at a player who doesn't right. like it. Like, are you really, right. you're not using a swear word, you're not yelling during his swing, you're, you know, you're basically, I, I mean, I kind of equated it to some of these, like, Twitter harassment campaigns where, you know, these people be like, well, look at me. I'm not violating the terms of service. Like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I just happen to be tweeting at this female journalist over and over and over and over and over again, like, day and night, forever. What's what's really wrong about that? I'm just asking questions. Why won't you answer? And so it's the same, I think, a little bit of mentality that that's going on. It's like, Brooks Kepka doesn't really have to engage in this anymore. There's an army of people who want to do it for him. And golf has kind of courted, you know, these these people who are not traditional golf fans for a long time. They really wanted this audience of, you know, that and the, the, the bro dogs. Has, yeah, the bro yeah, dogs. Right. Sports has brought in a lot of these people who are really passionate and really love sports, but also like kind of laugh at the traditional decorum uh, that, you know, golf has sort of always held dear. And so, it's a complicated thing, right, to sort of say, yeah, we want these fans here because they're so passionate, but we don't really want them to behave like they normally are because they're going to be like, whatever, man. Like, right. There's up. something else like, I can do. Yeah. do whatever I want. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's an interesting place that golf finds itself in. And I don't know really what the answer is, to be honest. It's, it's hard to say one way or another. And so it just – my position on – athletes in general is like hey yes these people make millions of dollars and yes they get to do something that all of us often you know want to do for free but like it's still hard to be someone in public and completely hearing all the time like things that are supposed to trigger you and if we're going to kind of ask athletes to talk about mental health stuff is it actually okay to then like just bully the athletes we don't like, but support the ones that we do? You know, I think mostly like the Simone Biles sort of saying, like, I, I can't handle all this stuff. You know, I, I need to sort of step back or Naomi Osaka. Most of that su- was support for them. Mm-hmm. But with like when Kyrie Irvin says, I don't really want to do media or when certain athletes would be like, I'm just not going to do interviews. You know, when Bryson had done that this week, the reaction is quite different. And so, you know, I think we just need to kind of think about why that is. Is it, is it okay to just only support the, the likable athletes or we're actually talking about this kind of stuff. Should we be supportive in everyone? Because it's more of a philosophy than like, Hey, I'm going to just like ride for the athletes I like and then continue to savage the ones I don't. Is, is, and I ask this, and I want to make sure I'm saying this is a question because I don't know. This is not me. Is, is any of it on Bryson still? Like, is it any of it on, you know, who he is and when what he's done? Or, you know, you point out the dichotomy of him literally doing something really nice for a kid in this moment before he flips out. Is is that overblown? Is is my perception of Bryson DeChambeau wrong just because it's been presented to me, likely by uh, some of these bro dogs that we're talking about? Sure. It's, 
Yes, I think Bryson brings a lot of this on himself, and he, uh, you know, is kind of a. It's hard to sort of describe the right word. He's, I don't want to say like a knucklehead, but he's like not particularly great at like social interactions. Like he doesn't quite understand how he comes off, and is often very, you know, confused by or annoyed by follow-up questions, and sort of says something dumb and so part of what happened with you know the his he the he tested positive for covid and so he had to sit out the olympics and so some writers followed up with him and said like hey you know are you vaccinated and he said no and then he kind of followed up with but you know it's because i i want the vaccine to go to to a lot of people you know he could have just said like hey it's that's a choice that i've made and i'm just kind of kind of leave it there but you know thanks for asking guys like some athletes who are better at handling the media have handled it that way and basically have made it kind of the end of the story. But Bryson kind of kept digging himself deeper. And because, you know, he's been openly supportive of, you know, like the, he's a, he's friends with Eric Trump and has appeared on, you know, an Instagram stuff with him, it's made a lot of people angry and sort of feel like this is all part of, you know, of his political views. And so it's kind of, elevated some of the dislike you know yeah the discourse in our country is feeding into our sports narratives too now and all of that kind of swirls together and so you know bryson has has reacted emotionally about you know at the british open uh, you know i'm not sure like what you know about this but he he had a really bad day and then he basically was like it's because my driver sucks and so he kind of put I did, his own I did yeah, and they, they weren't thrilled about that. I remember. No, and they <laughs> they just the rare like actually, Bryson's acting like a baby. You know, we're trying really hard to get him equipment, but he's like throws a tantrum every time it's not perfect. <laughs> and so it was like, whoa, this is super unheard of in you know golf particularly. So uh, all of that contributes to you know Bryson acting. I mean, he you know. Does Kepka like delight in teasing him? Absolutely, but it is a little bit like watching the cool kid and kind of the you know obnoxious scientist nerd kind of throw barbs at each other. The cool kid is always going to win that fight, but it doesn't mean that the cool kid isn't kind of being a dick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's, they're both to sort of blame for it, and I used to think like, ah, it's all in good fun, but I think what's clear is that it it clearly bothers. Bryson in a way that uh, Brooks is just able to sort of like the nothing that Bryson can do touches him really. He doesn't care. And so, you know, at, at some point do we just kind of sign off on it and be like, this is the world now. And like, if Bryson punches a fan, like, are we all good with that? I don't know. That's a tough, tough ethical thing. No, I mean, they definitely won't be. There's no doubt about that. It won't be yeah. okay. It's just, what does it mean at that point? I, it's a fair question. It's a fair question. Are they going to be paired together at the Ryder cup? Is there going to be a, no. Okay. All right. Not. Okay. So. All right. Well, that's a that's a bummer for the uh, casual person. Yeah. <laughs> that's a real. It bummer. will be real interesting if the U.S. wins the Ryder Cup. Like, do they at is, any point like interact? Is there a hug? Hands, right. Like, yeah. They, yeah. You know, because that's you know that's happened before in golf history. Like it. Um, you know, people always said that like Tiger didn't like the Ryder Cup and didn't get along with anybody because he was sort of icing everybody out. But if you look back at photos of Justin Leonard making a putt in 99 at Brookline. One of my favorite kind of things is you use this point in shaking, asking people find tiger in this picture. And they're rarely able to do it because 
in the corner of the picture, it's Tiger like jumping out of his shoes. He's like five feet in the air. He's so excited. It's like the most excited you've ever seen Tiger Woods be. And so he was like super in that moment, like thrilled for people whose asses he wanted to kick all the time. And so the Ryder Cup does interesting things to people who are sort of often singularly focused. And I, I wonder if it will do that for Brooks and Bryson. I doubt it because Brooks is so stubborn, but I'm sure Bryson would be like over the moon happy if Brooks just like put his hand on Bryson's shoulder and was like, good job, man. Interesting. That's really interesting. All right. We'll look out for that then. Kevin Van Valkenburg, um, I, 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 we need to do this more often. Um, sure. I, I can't, you're not going to believe this, but I managed to keep it to 20 minutes this week, which is Good absolutely work. a record for, for me with yeah. you. At K Van Valkenburg on Twitter is how you follow him. How, uh, really quickly, how are the girls? Everything good? They're doing good. Yeah, awesome. getting, uh, getting married in September, so ah, excited about so, uh, so happy you know, for making you, my blended family official. That's so. awesome, man. I, I love uh, every picture I get to see. It makes me really happy for you and, and this new life. Sure. And it's just an awesome thing. Uh, I'll be in All touch. Right. I love you, pal. It's great love to you. chat with you, buddy. Love you too, bud. Kevin, right. Kevin Valkenberg from ESPN, one of my best friends. and uh, I wish I wish we did it more often, but um, you know, it's just a different world and where I do more hyper-local things, and he doesn't do hyper-local things so often. It's just the way that it goes. Can we take a break? Or Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. We're going to... I'd say it would be like five minutes later. Hopefully okay. All right. Understands. All right. C3 American Exteriors, don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. 410-401-9797. C3America.com. That's where you go to get your free analysis. We'll come back in. We'll talk more about J.K. Dobbins, Dr. David Chow, pro football doc. will tell us what, what the reality is for him is... Everything okay for next year? Like, are we, it's all good. We'll talk about that next. Glenn Clark Radio. Join PressBox's fantasy football expert, Ken Zales, for the opening night of NFL season on Thursday, September 9th, 7 p.m. at Sports and Social inside of Live Casino. While you're there, say hi to KZ and let him give you advice on setting up your fantasy team, picking starters, and who you might trade for or pick up on waivers. Watch the opening NFL game, get free fantasy football tutoring from Ken Zales, and enjoy the new Sports and Social Club at Maryland Live. We'll see you on September 9th. Must be 21 or older to enter. As one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Bear Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Bear Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the Fresh Food Fest, beer, wine, and spirit, showcase and so much more come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the maryland five star at fair hill october 14th through 17th buy your tickets now at maryland five star.us with the number five redefine your skills inspire change and make a difference the army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves while also improving who they will become individually Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand 
carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's Window Nation's 15th year anniversary. During August, all customers that get an in-home estimate will be entered to win your home project for free. That's correct, a chance to win free, top-of-the-line, energy-efficient Window Nation windows installed by experts with over 15 years' experience that will keep your home cool during the summer months and warm during the colder months. If you don't win, get half of your windows free with their buy two windows and get two free deal. Plus, pay nothing for two full years. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Party with the flock at the Ravens Countdown to Kickoff Watch Party presented by Miller Lite on Monday, September 13th at M&T Bank Stadium. Celebrate the start of the season with a live performance by all-time low, plus a watch party for the Ravens vs. Raiders game on the Ravens Vision Boards. Appearances by Ravens legends, cheerleaders, Baltimore's marching Ravens, playmakers, and Poe. Tickets are $10 in advance and $20 the day of the event. Visit BaltimoreRavens.com slash kickoff for tickets and more info. The latest issue of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who may well be the Ravens' next true defensive superstar in the lineage of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs. Also inside, we introduce you to Maryland Navy, Towson, and Morgan State football players and everything you need to know for football betting as it launches in Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com You are out. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com Alright, back in here on GCR. Final couple days to take advantage of the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Yeah, summer is going away. It's just the reality. Uh, back to school day. Enjoyed everybody's pictures. My kid, first grade. Unbelievable. But uh, you can still get a couple of these great menu items like the barbecue chicken thigh wings as well as the smoky thigh wings and barbecue ribs combo platter and so much more at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. Let's talk more about the J.K. Dobbins situation. Joining us now, a man that we always turn to whenever there's a significant injury. I hate that's the only reason why we talk to him because it's never pleasant in that way, but he's always pleasant. He is former Chargers team doctor and, of course, Mr. Pro Football Doc on Twitter. He's without kick now. Dr. David Chow is with us here on GCR. Doctor, it's Glenn and Kyle. It's always great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that those are the situations where we end up giving you a call, man. But we appreciate that you're there. Um, when you first saw this on Saturday, you know, I I sensed that maybe there was a thought that it might not be as devastating as it proved to be. But when you looked at it more, what what did you see that happened with J.K. Dobbins on Saturday night? Well, I always try and go glass half full rather than half empty, right? And so want to be optimistic and leave out hope. So that's why I said, you know, the best case circumstance, it was a kiddo-like, you know, four-plus-week bone bruise type thing. Uh, but in preseason, you don't get as many camera angles. And so now, it, not only is it harder to be certain on the LCL by video, 
the, the ACL, but the LCL that's come into question too. And so his foot got trapped, and where he was hit, it was either going to be ACL or a bad bone bruise, and it turns out to be the worst one. And now there's even some talk of multi-ligament per Mike Garofalo. Yeah, so I saw that today, and you kind of explained that a little bit more. This this new thing, Mike Garofolo reported yesterday that um, – there will be more evaluations because sources say the MRI show possible LCL damage. And, and you say if that's the case, this could become an even bigger concern for the Ravens with J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I mean, there, hopefully if there is LCL involvement, it's what we call a posterior lateral corner and just a stretch rather than any complete tear with reconstructive surgery. And, and the Ravens quality medical staff, they already knew it was an ACL tear by exam. They already know the LCL is going to need to be reconstructed or not right now. They're just being sure. But if it becomes a multi-ligament situation, that's a much bigger deal. And uh, that starts to put 2022 in some sort of jeopardy. Okay. If So I guess let's go with both scenarios. If it is, if it's not... Is there concern about the recovery and the player that J.K. Dobbins can be after an injury like this, or are they both? It's it's very it, you know it might take a while, but you can recover from this and be the exact same type of player. Well, if it's just an ACL, you can get to be the same type of player, but it's a little unrealistic to say that he absolutely will be there at the start of next season. There's usually an acclimation period of time. Usually we say the second year back is the better year back after an ACL. Although, you know, everyone points to the Adrian Peterson exception uh, that one uh, year. Uh, if there is LCL involvement, uh, you got to see how much. And if it's a reconstruction, and I'm not saying that that's the case right now, but that definitely can have more long-term consequences. Multi-ligament tears in running backs, um, often can be career enders. And I'm not saying that's the case here for uh, for J.K. Dobbins, but if it truly were a multi-ligament, that would be a bigger deal. Ah, great. Wonderful. Thanks for that, Doc. Really appreciate it. <laughs> great news. No, I understand what you're saying. and uh, Just something we're going to have to monitor as, as time goes on. Dr. David Chow is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio as we're talking about J.K. Dobbins. Doc, if I could, I, I just want to, and I don't know how many of these conversations you had when you were with the Chargers. If if someone came to you and said, Doc, I want to get your opinion, should we be playing these things or not? Should we should we be involved with preseason games from a, from a risk standpoint, admitting, and they said, we don't think we're getting a lot out of them football-wise. Should we even be doing them? Is there too much risk from a medical standpoint? What would you have said to them or what would you say to them now? Well, um, every time you take this extra ski run or the extra street ski day, there's risk to your ACL and your knee. Every time you play the game of football, there's increased risk. Um, look, uh, we've expanded to 17 games uh, now for the regular season, and I've said, look, I would have preferred to stay at 16 in terms of health but do two bye weeks. Now you have 18 weeks of football and more revenue opportunities without the additional one-game exposure. No question they took away one preseason game, but you know, playing no preseason games potentially helps with injuries because it's still football. However, 
what does happen and what did happen last year when he didn't play any preseason games, et cetera, some of the early acclimation injuries that were going to happen got shifted into the first couple of weeks of the season. So uh, it's not all negative to play the preseason, but yes, there is risk every time there's contact football. And if you ask players, they would rather have the preseason game that have joint practice. Joint practices have potentially more danger and exposure and harder than some preseason games. I mean, I and I, and, and I, I certainly they seem to think there's more value in them. I guess that's the trade-off that that makes it work for me. I am I am so anti preseason, Doc. Like I, I just wanted to go away because overwhelmingly in talking to coaches, they just seem to think it has no real value for them. Whereas they do think the joint pre, pre uh, preseason or practices do, and obviously the regular season games, of course, have significant value for football teams. I just don't know if it's it's a risk that's even slightly worth taking. Um, Doc, let me let me put this one to you, Rashad. Or sorry, not Rashad Perriman. We're not worried about him. Rashad Bateman, whose name sounds a little bit like Rashad Perriman. Rashad Bateman dealing with a groin issue um, that was officially you know labeled as core muscle, but we know it's a groin situation. And when it was announced, it had this sort of vast timetable that we were given. Kind of reminded me of the timetable that we were given for Carson Wentz, right? Which was very significant um, in the difference for how long it could be. A young person dealing with a groin injury like this, what was your expectation for how long it would take? And and what is something that you would be concerned about with a rookie NFL player coming off a groin injury? Well, you know, with a core muscle slash groin injury, the surgery is pretty reliable in terms of the recovery being about six weeks. But recovery medically is different than fully functional playing and comfortable Obviously, he's a young receiver. He makes his living off of some of these quick bursts and cuts. And also, you know, think of all the practice time and, uh, that he has now missed as he acclimates to a new NFL system. So I think that's where uh, the worry comes in physically, but also rep-wise and et cetera. So this is going to be uh, put a damper on his uh, rookie season here for, for what seemed to be pretty promising, at least for the start of it. Do you have any good news to share with the stock? <laughs> you have anything pleasant that you can tell us? Oh, this is well, rough. Well, you know, Lamar Jackson's healthy. Yep, I mean, that is good news. That, that is a fact. That's pretty good. That's good. But, you know, here, Glenn, this is what I always said to, to my GM. Uh, I literally said this to, to uh, A.J. Smith once when, you know, and, and other GMs. Uh, when they get down on me with the Monday morning reports, uh, I'd have to remind them that I'm Paul Revere. I'm not the British. I'm just telling you how they're coming <laughs> right, and how they're coming. Right, I'm right. not doing the invading. Correct. Before I let you go, and it's it's interesting you brought up Lamar there because I wanted to get into this. Um, how how are team doctors handling the the vaccination conversations right now, doctor? It's it, you know it's and it's it's obviously it's a huge situation in Baltimore because we've already seen Lamar get COVID twice and you know there's this risk that it could happen again and could happen at a time where it's not the preseason and there's critical games to be played and we'd really like to see him get vaccinated knowing it doesn't eliminate the risk but it minimizes it and more importantly he could come back a little bit quicker worry to get it again how are how are team doctors going about trying to have these conversations with players that are reluctant well, no question. And we used to have them related to the flu, quote, regular flu vaccine, and we wouldn't get everyone to be vaccinated. Look, it's it's individual choice. I get it. 
But in terms of the NFL, the deck is stacked against you if you don't get the vaccine in terms of close contacts. You can be ruled out. You can be doing everything correctly and someone in the building uh, gets COVID and now you're out 10 days, whereas the other way, you're not eliminated uh, as a close contact. So there's competitive advantages the way that the, va- the, the vaccine carrot has been set up by the NFL. As far as in general, and I'll say this at the risk of, I'm really not trying to offend anyone who's red or blue or what have you, but, you know, physicians took the vaccine as soon as it was available to them to the tune of 96%. Yeah. So there was very high compliance. Some, And I'm not trying to blame anyone, and I get that you needed uh, more public venues of vaccination for those who don't have regular medical care. But if we would have put the vaccines in the hands of physicians who overwhelmingly supported the vaccine instead of into Publix or the grocery store or the, the drugstore, I don't know. Maybe the conversation would be a little different, and maybe it seems a little less forced. I, I, I'm, and I'm not trying to get yeah. political. No, I understand uh, what you're saying. It. Just, yeah. just you asked about you know physicians and their role in, in talking to the players. I think physicians and their role in talking to people and literally talking to people one on one, not mass commercials and what have you. I think there is some influence. I, I don't think you're wrong about that, and I, I do think that there is a natural distrust that comes with some humans um, about information they get from people for whatever reason, good, bad, whatever it is, um, and, and you're right. I think that some of that could be changed, and of course, obviously, unfortunately, not everyone has a physician, and that's part of the problem, but you and I won't be able to solve that here today. That goes far deeper than that. Um, of course, at ProFootballDoc on Twitter, OutKick, and what else can I plug for you, Doc? Well, we've got a lot of new things coming with the field view and different scores in terms of uh, fantasy uh, health scores. If a player is questionable, what are their chances of being at 100% or are they just a decoy? And whether to play a guy, DFS, or in your fantasy team, et cetera. So a lot of new things coming and the usual stuff on Sirius and Fox Sports Radio. And uh, a lot of new uh, announcements coming this year. Uh, I have a question from a listener that's fascinating. If I could just throw it to you real quick. Do, do you think that vaccination clauses are going to come to contract soon? Well, look, um, the NFL has really done everything possible to cajole people and stack the deck to, to make you uh, people get the vaccine. And, and, you know, you heard the latest controversy um, that uh, J.C. Treder said the NFL never breached mandating vaccines. And the NFL came back and said, no, yes, we have. Hmm. And as a matter of fact, we would mandate them tomorrow if the Players Association would agree to it. So, yeah, uh, there, it, it's clearly stacked differently this year. You, you cannot get paid if you uh, get COVID and you aren't vaccinated. If you are vaccinated, you do get paid. They've really done everything ca- they can to uh, to push the players to do so. And and you saw the uh, the Buffalo uh, wide receiver, Isaiah yeah. McKenzie, who who uh, gave in. He he was with Cole Beasley and saying, no, 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 got fined. And, and he finally tweeted or or instagrammed or whatever social media picture of himself in the vaccine card where uh, he's gotten his first dose and uh, a lot of it is competitive advantage a lot of it is not getting fined a lot of it is trying not to wear ma- not having to wear masks in the building a lot of it is being able to travel and and be free uh, and to get rid of the uh, everyday uh, testing requirements uh, for the non-vaccinated it really is one-sided in terms of competitive advantage the way the league has it set up 
Doc, really appreciate taking the time for us as always, sir. Hopefully there'll be something pleasant we can talk about the next time you and I have this conversation. Thank you for doing this. All right. Well, you always call when there's unpleasant. I know. It's on us. It's on us. I appreciate it. Thank you, doctor. Really. Okay, bye. Dr. David Chow uh, with us uh, here on GCR. Um, Look. We, we can't have these answers yet as to the long term, but obviously the LCL is a concern. Sure. And if that becomes part of the equation, unfortunately, it's going to be a conversation that will linger on towards the next fourth year. Least often discussed of the ligaments, it feels like, in these yeah, surgeries. LCL, MCL, PCL. PCL and MCL yep. seem to be more yep. common in that regard. Yep. I agree. I agree. But we will see. We will see how that plays out. Uh, it was John Proctor, by the way, that had that. John Proctor adding something to the program this morning. Look at him. Look at him. He also said earlier, uh, I bet uh, the Ravens will still run the ball. T- okay, I think he's responding to the idea that some people have had that maybe this will be what forces the Ravens to change their offense a bit, not having J.K. Dobbins, and to become more uh, more pro-concepts, more um, just throw the football more, is not having J.K. Dobbins on net- the field like decrease of 20 to 25 carries on the year or 30 maybe mm, i'd be still be surprised by that i mean that's only like four i get game, it right it's, like it's, it's not even 30 yeah. 30 would be like one and a half yes correct right. it's not even that like if what you're saying is that if if you acknowledge that might have happened anyway right maybe. like some of that is just circumstantial Presumably dobbins would have gotten 200 carries this year Right. At least, maybe 250. Uh, something in that neighborhood, yeah. yeah. I mean, if he stayed, you know, if he had of stayed course. healthy otherwise, I mean, he would have gotten a lot. There's no doubt. Um, uh, Paul from Obilando, my initial thought Saturday night was, Gurley, come on down, but thinking more about it, I'm fine with seeing which running backs get cut over the next day. Might be able to get a younger or faster option than Gurley or other vets. I'd sign someone because I don't know Hill status and. McCray is unproven. I don't think McCray is even a factor in this conversation. Yeah, Tyson Williams appears to be the yes, de facto. Uh, um, but he might, he might be already just accepting that. Like, hey, I know Tyson Williams is in the mix. I'm talking about going deeper than that. Um, Would this maybe make the Ravens carry one more running back? Theoretically, mm, I uh, I think that if the difference is like you don't you think that guy is the same guy that you could go pick up off the street, you're not carrying four last for year, right? Game. I hear you, but I think they believe that those guys were better than the guys that you could get, go get off the street. I don't. I think that that's there, and especially when you're talking about having to make difficult decisions about like guys like Jimmy Smith. I don't think there's any chance in hell they're keeping. Well, I don't even remember what the guy's first name is McCray. I'm not even talking about him. I'm talking about if they were to make an acquisition, would they still keep Tyson Williams and I, Justice Hill? I, here's what I would say. I don't think they're making an acu- uh, acquisition before the 53-man deadline tomorrow. I don't think there's a chance in hell that that's occurring because they have to make the moves they're going to make. You have anybody if you think somebody's going to return. So like if you're going to put Rashad Bateman on. Um, IR designated to return, he's got to be on the roster tomorrow. But if you're going to put him on there, you can put him on there tomorrow and then mm-hmm. get that roster spot back. I don't think there's a chance in hell they're acquiring a running back before the deadline to get down to 53. I don't You'd think, think that's going to be, be a significant addition if that were the case. I don't, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're making a, but I still think they'd be more likely to do that afterwards. I still think they'd be more likely to, let's see who everybody else cuts. I get it. And you also want to let everyone else like, who's already made their rosters is, have to make tough decisions after the is, fact in case you had to release somebody that might have appealed to somebody is else. Is the guy that like we, that. is the guy that we're interested in and would be willing to trade a sixth round pick for, is that a guy that they just might cut anyway? that they're saying, hey, look, if you mm-hmm. want somebody, we'll talk to you about this guy. And the reason why they're calling is because that's a guy that's going to be cut. I don't think they're doing anything, anything, until after we get past this it's first It's hard deadline. to think of even, in a, like you think in fantasy terms. I guess the San Francisco was one that 
they normally have a lot of running backs, and could they cut somebody like Jermichael Hasty? Yeah, and, somebody like you know, that, Jeff Wilson. I'd be right. surprised if it was him. But, but like, they would have four guys right now in the running back backfield that they would be expecting to have roster spots for. So yeah, I mean, it's not they, impossible. They might not cut anybody, and it might be that they there. This is also a game of chess. Eunice used to talk about this all the time. It might be that like they know that you're interested in this guy. Mm-hmm. So even though they know there's a chance they might have to cut him, they're going to put him on the roster to begin with to try to force your hand in trading for him yep. before they cut. Well, like this becomes this giant, extent, correct, right. giant game of chess with these guys at this highest level. And so, you know, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, Proctor points out the Ravens had 550 rush attempts last season. The next closest team was New Orleans at 495. Uh, they'd have to fall below 500 for me to think the offense was really changing. And he actually says Tennessee and Cleveland. Well, keep in mind, well. 17th game, you're now doing it on a per yes, basis. Yeah, so. you would have to look at that average, right. obviously, more than looking at the total carries because there's an additional game. Uh, you pointed out early, uh, Josina Anderson reports, in the wake of the injury to J.K. Dobbins, my understanding is that the Ravens currently like their depth at the running back position, and the team is not expected to pursue Ty Gurley at this time, which, with no disrespect to Josina Anderson, isn't really saying anything. It still leaves the door open for the post week one. I'm not. I'm not. And it's not. It's not just that she's not saying anything about Ty Gurley. She's not really saying anything at all. Like, and I. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I genuinely believe Josina Anderson reached out to somebody with the Ravens and got a response and is just sharing the response that she got. I think that they're not telling her anything. I think that they. What, what are they supposed to say? No, we're panicked. We we better go find somebody. We're gonna sign somebody immediately. As much as, as respected as Josina Anderson is and as plugged in as she is, I don't think that they would be telling her, we think these guys stink, because that would hurt them if they are mm-hmm. trying to trade for a running back. So I'm not, I, again, I can say both things can be true. It can both be that I think this is a legitimate report from Josina Anderson, but also doesn't really mean and anything. And it also could be true that the Ravens like their depth of running back. It doesn't mean that oh, it's not true it's, either. I don't think it's impossible that the Ravens won't eh. I think they'll do something I think it's not in pot it won't be somebody that that you are you know significantly aware of I think it's possible that it will be more a guy that they scouted and liked in a draft that's that becomes available I think it's possible it's something like that the Todd Gurley thing absolutely would not make sense right now there's a lot of guys that fit the there is no world in which you sign those players before week one. And you can say, well, you're playing the Chiefs in week one. Well, one, they haven't been in your building to begin with. Mm-hmm. So how much are you really expecting from them in week one? And then combine that with they now have their contract guaranteed for week one. A street free agent really Not makes week one. zero. What's that? It would be for all weeks. If it was before week one. Wouldn't they if, have, if, if they were to if, sign somebody yes, prior if, to week one, then their contract guaranteed for the 17, season. Yeah, Correct. Yeah. Their contract is guaranteed for the season if they're signed before week one. If they're on the roster right. for week one, your contract is guaranteed for the season. So I, there's no chance in hell that they're signing Todd Gurley to me. I think there's no chance. I'm not reporting that. I'm just saying I don't think there's a chance in hell they're signing Todd you Gurley. You said Kansas City was week one. It's the Raiders. Week oh, one. the Raiders are week one. Yeah. Kansas City is week two. Sorry. I just did my – I've got <laughs> – like, Excuse that, me? Uh, clear. Kansas City is week two. Uh, Las Vegas is week one. Yes, you're 100% right about that. That was just a bleh, brain fart. You're scared. I was like, is that what happens no, week no, one? I was no, like, good no, no, God. No, no, it's Kansas City week two. It's it's Vegas week one. Um, it, Because they're both primetime games, they have definitely been conflated in my head. Which one – like, and which one's Monday night? Which one is Sunday night? I also happen to have some work that I've got to do on some of those days. It's just a whole – it's a whole thing in my world, so um, that's what happened there. But no, I—they're just—they're not—they're not—they're not signing those types of players. 
John from Little Rock, no need to panic or rush anything. They are prepared to deal with losing Dobbins. It's not a season wrecker in any way. Just relax and see who is available and see who is a good fit. Is it a season wrecker? Not necessarily, but I don't know that there are three guys that are more significant. You know, Ronnie Stanley is really significant, although they made a nice run without Ronnie Stanley last year. Marlon Humphrey's incredibly significant. Of course, Lamar Jackson. I mean, I'm separating Lamar Jackson. You can't even compare Lamar Jackson. There's one player that's a season wrecker. Everybody else is somewhat significant. The next three to me on the list going into this year, and specifically because of what the Ravens do, the next three were Humphrey, Stanley, and J.K. Dobbins, probably. Or at least one of the two Andrews of them. would be up there. Andrews well. would be in the conversation, right? Especially if Nick Boyle is out for and given the an extended amount currently. of time. Yeah, I mean, th- but we're we're giving multiple caveats to that. I would still say Andrews is I think at least it, even with Dobbins. I think he's in the conversation. I don't know if I agree with that because it's just, again, to me, it's, it's about what they do. I think when you talk do. about replacing, and I'm not saying anybody you bring on is going to replace what J.K. Dobbins is, but I think that the bare minimum for production at the position is easier I, to obtain at running I back think than it I is would, at tight end. I think I would agree with you if, J- if Mark Andrews were a better blocker. I think I, I would agree that. with that. But I, that's think, not, I think they can... But in their tight end heavy sets, right? Like I understand what you're saying, but I just I don't feel as though he's irreplaceable from a committee standpoint. We saw um, last year that... The, 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 I know it was Boyle that was out, but that forced Andrews to be more of a blocker and try to have other people do Andrews' role. It's a lot easier no, said it, than done. I, look, it, this is all, it's, the, it's the domino effect. And again, to me, part of the reason why this is more significant than just, hey, I'm being cool about it, is because I think Gus Edwards can get hurt too. Of course. And that's Anybody the part can. that like, the con- having the confidence in this is, it's one thing if you have a, you, you could always end up having two running backs get hurt. But if the first one doesn't get hurt until week nine, mm-hmm. you're in far better shape. You're talking about now 17 games where you've got one guy that is an NFL running back on your roster. And he's a good one, and I like that guy. But one guy, and you're going to run the ball a ton. That's not, to me, all's good. That's you got to do something to me. Something. Uh, Nick Kelly, if this happened before the ATN injury, I honestly wonder if Jacksonville would have considered trading Robinson. I don't, I don't think, think so. Exactly. Since they also have Hyde for now, i consider trading for Royce Freeman or staying put. Royce Freeman's interesting. I don't know why that one is uniquely the answer. I don't think Gurley, Bell, or Gore really add much at this point. Uh, Paul, I wonder if the Colts would trade Marlon Mack. Um, I doubt it. I think they still like Mac. A couple of people brought up Maybe Alex Jordan, Collins. Jordan Wilkins, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. A couple of people brought up Alex Collins as being someone that could just be out of the mix in Seattle. And issues have not been forgotten, I feel like. <sighs> it's a good point. The Ravens don't like that. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's something they would revisit down the road. I mean, Rashad Penny is interesting, in a way. Yeah, Rashad Penny would be interesting, but I don't think... I don't, anyway. It's his final year of his contract. Yeah, it's, it's possible. It's possible. All right, uh, we'll keep talking about it. Continue to get your responses. By the way, as far as voting is concerned, uh, 50% of you say just wait for cuts, and and 84.1% of you don't think they should either trade for a running back or sign one of the current street free agents. Either you, 84% of you either say wait for cuts or just go with the guys that you have, which is interesting to me. All right, uh, today's show is also brought to you by the Baltimore... No, 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 i got to save that one. Uh, this one's brought to you by the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show. 
which you can hear every Thursday at 11.30 a.m., facebook.com slash pressboxsports, pressboxonline.com slash radio. It's brought to you by CCBC, as well as our friends at Glory Days Grill. And also don't forget that you can go right now to pressboxonline.com slash contests and sign up. Last couple of days, we're cutting this off on September 2nd, which is this Thursday, you can win a pre-draft virtual consultation with Ken Zalis plus personalized weekly advice throughout the season. Go right now to pressboxonline.com slash contest to find out more. Jeremy Kahn joins us next, Glenn Clark Radio. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Party with the flock at the Ravens Countdown to Kickoff Watch Party presented by Miller Lite on Monday, September 13th at M&T Bank Stadium. Celebrate the start of the season with a live performance by all-time low, plus a watch party for the Ravens vs. Raiders game on the Ravens Vision Boards. Appearances by Ravens legends, cheerleaders, Baltimore's marching Ravens, playmakers, and Poe. Tickets are $10 in advance and $20 the day of the event. Visit BaltimoreRavens.com slash kickoff for tickets and more info. Glory Days Grill's popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like their very berry salad and smoky thigh wings. It also features the all-new shrimp po'boy, crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and a house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York strip steak, the barbecue chicken bowl, barbecue ribs, and smoky thigh wings combo platter, zucchini fries, and a key lime pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams Summer Ale or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. Glory Days Grill is hiring all positions. Want to work for a great family-oriented company known for their commitment to the community? Stop into one of their restaurants and speak with a manager. Management opportunities are available. Find out more by going to glorydaysgrill.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. 
Hey, it's KZ. The Pressbox Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 1130. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Pressbox Fantasy Football Show. Every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. All right, back in here on GCR. We continue along a Monday edition of the program. Today's show also brought to you by Sports and Social. We were just talking about Ken Zalas. You just heard his voice, and he's going to be there for the opener. One week from this Thursday night, you're going to have your opportunity to go hang out with KZ, talk some fantasy football, get some questions answered by our fantasy football expert, and watch the season opener on September 9th, 7 o'clock at Sports and Social inside of Live Casino. While you're there, you know, run your questions by him, ask about other life topics if you'd like, watch that game. And uh, enjoy just the incredible atmosphere at the Sports and Social Club at Maryland Live. We'll see you on September 9th. Must be 21 or older to enter for what's going to be a very fun night at Live Casino Hotel. Always very fun to chat with our next guest. He, of course, one of the hosts of the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. And you see his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. He was uh, sweltering out at the BMW Championship for a couple of days. He's our buddy Jeremy Kahn, and he's back with us here on GCR. What's going on, brother? How are you? What's up, man? I'm good. Uh, speaking of sweltering, I had another big hit in golf. So what? I, um, I saw you post that. I will never. I will never understand how it is that you have made this much money betting golf. I'll never in my <laughs> life it will make any sense to me whatsoever. Well, it, it's funny because I actually, I mean, I called this tournament to a tee, um, and I had, and we replayed my clip, and I didn't realize how good it was even looking at my lineup because Saturday I think I had four of the golfers in the top five, top six, including DeChambeau and Cantley, and I had Cantley winning it all, which was which was nice. You know, I was rooting for him, um, and I, I'm not one of those guys that dislikes DeChambeau either, but I don't know, there's just something about the guys that are so consistent in their games, like. Uh, John Rahm and um, Xander Schofield, Patrick Cantley, that I really enjoy watching them. And yesterday, by the way, which I, if you'd have told me this years ago that I would spend an entire Sunday watching a round from start to finish uh, in golf, I would have called you crazy. But that's exactly what I did. Well, but you also had $25,000 at stake. So. Yes, that's true. That is yeah. also true. Yes, for $25,000, I too would watch a round of golf from start to finish. If that it was, was pretty the exciting, case. to say the least. Yeah, I would imagine it was pretty excited. <laughs> I would yeah. imagine that was the case. Um, aside from the money that you made, um, your experience being out there, I. You know, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine who asked me about it. I really like the event. I think that they did a great job pulling it off. And I mean, there were a it was a mob scene of people that, were, and I was only out there on Saturday. It was a mob scene of people, but yet they seemed to have everybody moving, and it, it was it was easy to get around the course if you were wanting to watch certain things. It was something you could do mm-hmm. with with relative ease. I thought it was great, and I want there to be more of them. I just think I've realized that, like, if I am going to be a golf person. I think golf is a better TV viewing sport than it is a live viewing sport for me. I, I could get that totally with, um, you know, because I was asking people, like, how do you approach it? Do you find your favorite golfer just or like, grouping and just travel around with them? 
Um, do you stay at a hole and watch the same hole over and over again to see different golfers? And I like what some person said is that I started a hole and moved backwards. So I get to see all the different holes and see different golfers playing, which I thought was pretty interesting um, way to look at things. But I mean, the place was beautiful. I didn't get to spend as much time watching the guys play. You know, I got to see more of the, um, the pro-am on Wednesday just because they started earlier and they were coming right by where, where we were at the, the beer garden. Um, but it's something where I, I wish I had more time to go up there and walk and watch, but I did, you know, I did enjoy watching it on TV Saturday and Sunday. I looked great. And I mean, I don't know, like we were talking about it this morning, the scores and how high they were. Yeah. If that's a great look for golf, I'm not sure how most people feel like I, I'm a guy that says this all the time. I can enjoy a 13 to 11 baseball game or a one, nothing baseball game. I'm not sure how your average golfer views it. Uh, I think they like to see these guys struggle a little bit, but Caves did a great job. I thought it was a great event. I thought it was it was really pulled off well. And I was more jealous of you running into Citizen Cope. Oh, man. my God. It was so cool, man. Oh, it was so cool. I, I'm what do such you say, a, Mr. Cope? Hey, Citizen. Well, you know, it's really funny because, like, I've, you know, I've actually I've talked to him a handful of times, and I always struggle with that, right? <laughs> like, hey, CC. I defer, when we were out in Phoenix, I remember Chad Dukes and I having this conversation because it was the, 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 the like, I think his third record was coming out, and we were having him on that day to talk about it. And like he looks at me, he's like, "Do we call him by his? Do we call him Clarence? Like, like what do we do here?" And and like you know, when you have pro wrestlers on, sometimes you struggle with that. Like, do I do I I get do I just call you the Rock? <laughs> like, do I like, call you Big John, John, right, Mister Stud? Which way right. is it? Like, how do you go about doing this? But um, because I was a dope, and again, because we've had some conversations, I I definitely um, I just pulled the. Uh, Hey Cope, like that was the move that I hey, pulled. Cope. Hey Cope was what I said, and he turned and he looked at me, and he was, and I said, it, "Hey, I'm Glenn Clark." And it's uh, so funny because I love his music, and uh, um, my, one of my old ringtones was "Let the Drummer Kick." It was always yeah. cool when it went off. Yeah, but uh, but even more so, like I love all the slower songs that he played. And I remember going through Virgin Fest years ago, walking by, and I didn't, I don't know why I didn't, I knew the songs but didn't know the artist's name, and I would always listen to it all the time which I know this sounds really silly when you're going to a music festival, but I look at the headliners. We were there to see, who was it, Jack Johnson, the Foo Fighters. I think they played at the same time, but I was more of a, I was a big Jack Johnson fan. Sure. So and we were bouncing around, checking out different artists. And then as I'm walking, I hear that voice and I go, uh, this this is the guy that I've been listening to like over <laughs> and over again. And this is like way before like Shazamming stuff. Yeah, and of course. Like, you of know, course. But, but I remember like listening to that song and just lo- like a couple different songs. And loving it, and when I heard his voice, I stopped, and I made, uh, you know, my girlfriend, now wife at the time, um, or I guess I should have said that, girlfriend at the time, now wife. Yes, yeah, that makes yes, sense. now wife but, at the time isn't a thing, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> just, uh, I'm not, I, I kill the English close, language on a daily close. basis. Oh, amazing someone both. to give me a job. Yeah, right. So, but, but no, the point being, like, we just sat there, and I listened to the entire set, and we, luckily we caught him at the beginning, and he's just so talented. Oh my God, he's unbelievable. And he's such a great dude, man. He's this nerdy Maryland football fan. He just happens to be close friends with Mike Loxley, which is why I got in touch with him a few years ago. And we've had this back and forth since then. And he just couldn't have been a better guy. And he just kept coming. Like, I went to walk away and he went back and he grabbed me again. He was like, hey man, I just wanted to say thank you again. Like, I really appreciate (laughs) the fact that you care about Maryland football and like talk about it and have guests on it means i'm like holy crap dude <laughs> like it was now a really i'm gonna surreal. have maryland guests on my yeah own. you might right you might be a good way to go it's a great in uh it was all- <laughs> and you know the other thing i'll give him I, this was the cool thing you know this from doing uh you know preakness and you guys broadcasting like the people that matter are very secluded at preakness like they are yeah. in and they're in one spot 
in in just in like a twenty minute span of walking around on Saturday, um, I spent time with Tori Smith and with Gary Williams and with Mike Loxley and with Citizen Cope, and they were just out with the hoi polloi, dude. Like they were just out wandering, and it was kind of like again not being a golf fan, but like the real my realization and talking to all of them was like they were willing to just go out and hang with everybody because they just wanted to go see all these golfers that they were fans of. And I was like, that's kind of a neat thing, you know? Like, that's kind of neat that these guys weren't just secluded. And, I, you know, I'm sure Michael Phelps was when he was there. I don't know that he was just wandering around. But, like, they weren't just saying, hey, we'll go wait at the 18th hole in our special box or whatever. They were just out walking so that they could see the golfers too and they could see as much of the course, which I thought was kind of a cool thing about the events. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And, like, you know, even – you're right about Preakness because I remember the year, especially when Cam Newton was there and security guards were like clotheslining people that even. Oh, no doubt. Right. Um, It's just, it's such a weird thing. Now, if you get to go into the corporate tents, you do see a ton of celebrities walking by and, which, look, it's very surreal, especially for a white trash cat like myself. And I'm assuming right. you're somewhere near <laughs> oh, that boat. Maybe no, you're not in the total white no trash No question. Boat, no I'm, question. I'm, and it is like, I'm meeting, uh, you know, guys at one top chef and recognizing different people walking by. And, uh, that, that's, that's kind of a cool part of it, but some, some people are really approachable and, and you get other guys like Cam who's just so yep. guarded. Yep. It's ridiculous. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, let's cover the JK Dobbins thing. Um, how concerned are you about what this means to the Baltimore Ravens? What would you do if you were them about how they handle their roster at this point? So there's a couple things. And I, I stated this numerous times. I don't blame Harbaugh. Like, there's somebody, I don't think that J.K. Dobbins should have been playing, but I don't get to sit here and play Monday morning quarterback and go. And like, I think it was somebody texted me and said, wasn't it Bill Belichick that said, tell me when a guy's going to get injured and I'll pull him out on that play. Right, correct. Um, you know, I, I just I think the preseason is just so Oh, I'm, I, I think that there should be no preseason, plain and simple. Yeah. I, I absolutely so, do not think there should be preseason football games whatsoever because there's no benefit. There's, li- there's nothing. The only things that can occur are bad things. Yeah. You don't. I mean, I don't think you ultimately learn enough about guys in, in games where the the defense is vanilla and the offense is vanilla because nobody wants to show anything. And that's where like people will say, "Well, you can get hurt in practice, or you can get hurt week one." Yeah, those are all meaningful. Those are things you, you should be you doing. Need to do those things. things, right? And you know, to me, these are unnecessary. But far be it from me. Like, and I'm not blaming Harbaugh or anybody like that um, for that matter. I just don't think the starters should be playing in any of these preseason games. But uh, I think I think Gus will be fine. Um, if you want to look at it from the concern standpoint, the most carries he's had in the year is 144. With his body type, I think he's going to be fine to hold up for an entire season. But again, these are unknowns. We haven't seen him do it yet, so I, I, I'm okay with people questioning whether or not he can. I hope the Ravens go with the route of giving him the lion's share of the carries. Like if he's getting 70 percent of the carries, or you know, 60, 65 percent, and they split the other you know, four, 35, 40% with, with other guys. I'm fine with that. Um, but I definitely think he can, uh, you know, if, I think he could be a, an absolute feature back in this league if he was given the carries. And I said it on my show today that I, I think he could be a top five running back if he doesn't get hurt and he gets a bulk of the carries um, with his skill set. I mean, he's a guy who averages, you know, five yards per carry, and he's a bruising back, and all that's going to do is wear down defenses. And with Lamar in the backfield, it just makes him better. I don't know that they need to make any – Wholesale changes, I still think they probably grab somebody else if someone gets cut or if they look out on the waiver wire, people are bringing up Le'Veon Bell's name and other running backs. And, you know, Todd Gurley, I don't know that they're necessarily fits. I, I wouldn't be upset at the Ravens for doing it, but I think they'll be okay. It just sucks. I, I, I feel 
worse for J.K. because I think he was in for a really big season. I think he's special. I agree. I agree with that. And to me, Jeremy, it's not that I yeah, – Tiger really doesn't do much for me. I'm not – you know, if they wait two weeks and then sign him because they want to sign him, fine. I don't really care that much one way or the other, but I certainly don't think they, they need to or should necessarily sign Tiger early. I do think in general – they need to do something. The bigger issue for me is that, like, it's, I know what, everything you're saying I think is true, but you're putting all of your eggs now in one basket that this one guy is not going to get hurt. Um, mm-hmm. and, and as much as I like Gus Edwards, I think the world of Gus Edwards, I think all he's done has been a phenomenal football player since he arrived in this league. Uh, he runs. He runs hard. He rarely fumbles the ball. Like, there's so much, like, he's not a complete running back necessarily, but, you know, he's improved a little bit in some of those things. We are talking about that earlier. Um, I like Gus Edwards, but unfortunately, we're talking about 17 games, and I think Gus Edwards can get hurt over the course of 17 games, and the drop-off from J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards to just Gus Edwards might not be world-changing, but the drop-off right now from Gus Edwards to whoever it would be is almost overwhelming at this point, until proven otherwise, until you know Justice Hill or Tyson Williams were to prove themselves to be an NFL running back. I, I wouldn't put myself up against that wall. I would have another qualified NFL running back on this roster sure. if if I were the Ravens. Yeah, so like my, the problem for me becomes in the red zone. Um, if like, Let's say that scenario happens where you, you lose J.K. and then you end up losing Gus. Um, you know, you, I think any running – I don't want to say any running back, but most running backs could come into the system that they have in place. As long as they pick up the plays, pass pro is always going to be a concern. I think any running back could have or most running backs could have success in this offense running the football. And I'm talking about from a yardage standpoint because of what Lamar brings, the threat there. As long as you can diagnose, see the hole, hit the hole, you're going to get positive yardage most of the time in this offense. Um, the problem for me becomes when you get to the red zone and now everybody's bunched in and there's nowhere to stretch them out. They're not going anywhere. And you need to become a little bit more physical or a little bit more quicker uh, to getting to the outside or hitting the hole and getting through it. I think that's where they would ultimately struggle. I still think they would move between the 20s up and down the field. but. Um, that becomes a dilemma for me. And for the other people, like, I thought Ken Wyman put it best. People keep saying, if Todd Gurley's healthy. Well, if he was healthy, he'd probably still yeah, be on the ground. Yeah, he'd probably you know, have a he, job, right. Yeah, He's not, and, I, and I'm not trying to knock him. And with Le'Veon Bell, like, he's just been a sour puss everywhere he's went. I, I, there still might be some talent left in there. I don't know um, if you bring him in and he's splitting time. Or, you know, some people are like, hey, send a seventh-round pick to the Texans and go get Mark Ingram. I think it'd be great to have him back. But Mark Ingram, to me, he looked like another guy in this offense. Still good. Um, and maybe he would fill a role here. I, I just don't. I, I don't know what the answer is. It just sucks that you lose him because I, I. Again, I'm not. I'm not concerned about the offense with Gus. I'm concerned about Gus playing a full season right. and what does he look like at the end. That's me. That's where I am, and it's why I would. I would be willing to. I'm not saying you have to, but I would be willing to trade. I'm not saying an earlier, even a mid-round pick. I'd be willing to trade a pick in order to acquire an NFL-caliber running back for this roster because I'm with you. I don't think Todd Gurley's the answer. I don't think the street free agents are the answers. And, you know, I, I don't know that the guys are going to be cut or going to prove to be all that much different than the guys that you already have at this point. But if there's a team, you know, Kyle brought up Rashad Penny earlier. If the Seahawks are willing to give up Rashad Penny for a seventh-round pick because they're not going to sign him anyway and – you know, they got a bunch of other running backs. Okay, yeah, I do that. I mean, if it was a six, they'd probably do it. I do it because it gives me a qualified NFL running back that can be my backup plan should something happen to Gus Edwards as the season goes on. Yeah, and I think I think all those options are perfect. I mean, I still think that the look the Ravens are in a good situation. Again, I don't think this hurts them 
it does hurt. So what, how do I want to put this? I don't think it hurts them as much as a lot of people would think because you have a Gus Edwards, but depth isn't an issue until it's an issue. Right. Exactly. And, right. And if, if you're wearing down Gus, and again, I think his body can hold up for a whole season, but uh, that's a little concerning because where have the Ravens had their problems at the end of the year in the postseason when teams, I'm doing the air quotes, figure them out, yeah. <laughs> um, whether or not you want to blame that on the scheme of the offense or if they're too predictable at that point in time. But because I, I have high hopes for the Ravens this year and the, uh, you know, the injury to JK, it doesn't change my mind on how far I, I, I think they can go. But man, that, I was so interested in seeing this guy for you know getting the uh, a lion's share of the carries, or at least the if you want to call it a sixty forty split with Gus, or however they wanted to work it. Um, I was interested in seeing him get his opportunities because I do think he's a guy. The more you feed him, the more likely he is to hit a home run and get you that sixty yard run and just you know tack on uh, to the totals he's already putting up. I mean, I think your margin for error is much more, you know, it's, it's, or it's, it's significantly less, right. And because yeah. of all this, and that's what concerns me. Um, all right. I, obviously we have to talk, um, you're the resident boxing guy, another huge night for the sport, another, uh, amazing event and trending all, I mean, just, I, I would say these really are the glory days of boxing at this point, right? Like these I truly, hate I, I hate it so much. I hate, like, I, I, so we, you know, we do shovels in the morning. You give your shovel of wisdom to something that just pisses you off, yep. or the people that are stupid. And I gave my shovel to anyone that paid for that fight. I, and I, I told my friend, I said, one of my buddies is a huge boxing fan. He was an amateur boxer here locally, and he uh, he ordered the first fight. And I said, why'd you do that? He goes, I know. And I told him, I said, you're part of the problem. People that keep paying. And look, there are some people that want to point out the fact that. He took less. Paul took less money and gave more to the fighters that, that on the undercard. That's great. He Wanking still made motion. a ton of money to do what? To like, I mean, you watch the fight. Woodley had the best punch of the night. There's no highlights. Go to YouTube and look for highlights. There are none. So except for the one punch when he's on the rope. And somebody had pointed out saying it feels like these fights are fixed. I'm not saying they are. But it's just it drives me crazy because he's not even fighting legitimate box. I don't I don't know how to say this. They're one thousand percent fixed. I this I mean this there is no world in which these guys are actually going to do anything that could cause the other one bodily harm in something like this. This is a cash grab. It's all it is is a cash grab because you're willing to pay for it. And there were people on Twitter last night, not credible people like in the boxing world, but like sports personalities trying to be like, you know, you can say whatever you want. This is highly entertaining. Go F yourself. Go yeah. F yourself. And you know it's fixed because of the whole rigmarole they apparently did in the ring afterwards. And I don't even, of course, Lord knows I didn't watch it, but this, we should run this back again and I'll get a tattoo if you, my God, could there be, like, you don't just sporadically come up with that after you went through an actual fight that's not something that happens that's what happens when you go into it and say we're getting a bunch of money for this one maybe we should try to do it again here's how we can coordinate that my favorite were all the like a lot of the handicappers out there and people that were betting that were going oh my god we get uh you know uh, jake paul is uh minus 165 in the fight against woodley and uh, so we're getting roughly uh, Tyrone Woodley at plus 145 or 150, wherever you were finding it. So that's free money. No, it's not. Like if, if Paul is that much of a favorite over Woodley, they're telling you that something, something's amiss here. Some, something's wrong. And, uh, you know, I was reading all these people's like, take this bet, take this bet. And I'm going, what the hell are you guys talking about? Just because the, it, nothing feels right with this. Nothing feels safe. Like, 
you, you think about Nate Robinson lying face down, like uh, people were putting up the memes. You want to see a dead body? Like, did, yep. did he really get destroyed that bad? I mean, he was about twice his size, but to be fair, everybody's twice his size. That's a fact. So, yes. Uh, you know, and in all these other BS fights, like I, I hear some of the MMA fighters and boxers, if you put one of those guys in the ring with Canelo Alvarez, he'd kill him. He would kill him. Like you would, you would have to sign something ahead of time to say, no matter what happens to you, um, I, I'm not responsible for this. You're signing off on this fight. It, it's a, it's a joke, and it's killing me because I love this sport, but people keep paying to watch these train wrecks. That's all it is. I'd at least stream Canelo Alvarez versus Jake Paul to I, see him get his ass kicked. I would not, still. I refuse to participate in any of it. Illegally. Illegally. Okay, okay yes. thank you. Yeah, yeah. I feel better about yeah. it. I feel better now that I know you're committing a crime. Thank you for that, Kyle. <laughs> I feel better about your decision making. I cannot participate in any of this. And what a travesty it is that we're pretending like it's a sport in some way. It I, is. If mo- you wanted to pay for pay your 20 bucks and watch or whatever it is. I don't even know how much it is because I don't pay for it. Watch the like the the bar fights uh, that that is uh, the rough and rowdy that oh, yeah, uh, they put on bar at does, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean that that would be more. Yeah, so at least they're not hiding from this. what it is, right? Like it's it's some it's some guy. You know, it's it's like going to see. You no, know, I mean I'm not trying to. It's like going to see Jake's fights sometimes, and I like Jake's fights sometimes, right? Like yeah. they're fun. It's a fun night to go watch people fight each other. But although these guys at least have, Jake's fights at least have aspirations of these guys. Being yeah, some robots, of them might actually. Right? Well, yeah. it's, it's rare, but some of them but might yes, end up not being just you know. Exactly right. right. That's not who's out there. The key to those fights is just to get in the mix, let the one guy throw as many haymakers as he can, tire himself out. out. Exactly right. That's exactly what it is. That's what these guys do on these rough and rowdy things. They just start swinging wildly. I'm like, have you ever been in a fight in your life? And they're swinging as crazy. Let them tire themselves out and then go pick them apart. I I have in my life. There have been a lot of funny things. I, I, I don't know how many if I've told him this. It's so it's it's not like he came up with it. I'm not trying to pretend that way. I don't know that I have peed myself laughing at one line or one heckle in my life the way that I was when I we were at Jake's fights one night and Bachman yells out all drunk, Quit punching his fist with your face! And I swear to God, like a whole room had been silent at that point, and he just gets up drunk and yells it out. And you know, this is Jake's fight, so they put us in like the front row or whatever. And I sweat and blood on you. Correct. I died. I died laughing in that moment. And I would highly encourage you attending any sort of combat event, whether it's real or professional wrestling, with Ray Bachman at some point in your life, and 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 letting him drink for a little while because it will be wildly entertaining for you. (laughs) The best fight I've ever seen in my life was at one of Jake's events, and I don't even remember the other fighter's name. The one guy was Henry the Hurricane, oh. and the Hurricane was getting his ass whipped. <laughs> like, the ref was leaning in to stop the fight, and he had his arm in there, and he just you watch him get punched about 50 times in a row, and out of nowhere, in the I think this was the start of the second round, because he got beat up in the first round, and the second round he was in so much trouble. He threw an overhand right that hit the other guy right on the button, and knocked him out cold. I mean, they were lifting his arm up as he was basically out cold on his feet, but still on his feet as he won the fight. It's the most amazing Pretty great. five minutes of sports I've ever seen in my entire go, life. Go, go watch that. Go spend your money yeah. on that. Don't Stop spending your money on this, for F's sake. Yeah, and I'm not big on amateur boxing either, the headgear and everything. It's just, it, it's, you have to... You have to really appreciate the sport to sit there and just watch guys point each other to death because a lot of times with headgear, yeah. you're not watching yeah, guys get knocked out. Yeah, that's a good point. And I've said this time and time again, the mo- the coolest thing to see live is a knockout. And you blink sometimes and you miss it. That's that's what's crazy about either going to Shogun fights or 
even the local boxing matches. Because I, I, I do. I love MMA and I love boxing. It's just it's a shame what's happening right now with these Paul brothers. There's no doubt about it. All right, buddy. What's coming up on the uh, Big Bag Morning Show this week? So it's just Rob and I tomorrow, and then Ed's back on Wednesday. And um, we're obviously going to be talking uh, Ravens leading into the season, getting ready. I know a lot of people are doing their fantasy drafts. Uh, plenty of gambling stuff coming up as well. So it's going to be a good week, a lot of fun. And we'll talk to Michael Elias like we always do at the end of the week. And of course, uh, picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. And maybe you can make $25,000 betting golf with Jeremy Kahn at some <laughs> point, which is just remarkable. It's incredible. All right, I'm pal. I'm going to spend it on two chicks at the same time. That's what it would take for them to double up on a guy <laughs> like me. Probably more than that. Yeah, I guess. I, might be. Might be. Well, it depends on what you're looking for. Exactly. Yeah, right. Chase the Mondays over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not bad. All right, pal. We'll talk to you next week. See you, buddy. See you guys. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan. Of course, at Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 on Twitter is how you follow him. Uh, we are just two weeks away from the Baltimore Ravens countdown to kickoff party presented by Miller Lite. Monday, September 13th at M&T Bank Stadium. You can party with the flock. It's going to be an awesome event celebrating the season opener. There'll be a live performance by All Time Low. Remind me, we got to get uh, Zach on at some point this week. I didn't want to. They are playing a show in Baltimore over the weekend, so I didn't want to like conflate the two. But now that's passed, so we'll put Zach on. Uh, live performance by All Time Low. Plus, you can watch the Ravens Raiders game on the Ravens Vision boards. Visit BaltimoreRavens.com/kickoff for tickets, and of course, you'll be able to uh, get all the in-game stuff that you would normally get. If you are at a home game, they're going to do all of it during the course of uh, the in-game portion that we'll be watching on the board. So it's going to be a fun night to be at the stadium, and it's just 10 bucks as long as you get your tickets before the day of the event with free parking. Come back in, get a tidbit, get two bit to wrap it up. Glenn Clark Radio. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. It's Window Nation's 15th year anniversary. During August, all customers that get an in-home estimate will be entered to win your home project for free. That's correct, a chance to win free, top-of-the-line, energy-efficient Window Nation windows installed by experts with over 15 years' experience that will keep your home cool during the summer months and warm during the colder months. If you don't win, get half of your windows free with their buy two windows and get two free deal. Plus, pay nothing for two full years. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. 
As one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Bear Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Fair Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the Fresh Food Fest, Beer, Wine, and Spirits Showcase, and so much more. Come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, October 14th through 17th. Buy your tickets now at MarylandFiveStar.us with the number five. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms Coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Join PressBox's fantasy football expert Ken Zales for the opening night of NFL season on Thursday, September 9th, 7 p.m. at Sports and Social inside of Live Casino. While you're there, say hi to KZ and let him give you advice on setting up your fantasy team, picking starters, and who you might trade for or pick up on waivers. Watch the opening NFL game, get free fantasy football tutoring from Ken Zales, and enjoy the new Sports and Social Club at Maryland Live. We'll see you on September 9th. Must be 21 or older to enter. Tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio. 21st Century Talk Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. All right, winding down for a Monday edition of the program. It's also been brought to you by Great Eights Memorabilia. So you missed the first weekend of the Purple Takeover at the Maryland State Fair. Shame, shame, shame. But... You haven't missed it all just yet. There's still the opportunity for you to meet some of your current and future Baltimore football superstars. You can't get the all-you-can-meet package. That's gone. I'm sorry. Although we should think about partnering with the butcher in order to do something similar. We really should look into that. But there are still meet and greets that are available. Go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's the word great, the number eight, the letter S, Memorabilia.com in order to find out more as it was spread out over the two weekends, so you missed the first couple of them, but they're not all done yet. Still an opportunity for you to meet some of your favorite Baltimore football players next weekend in Timonium. So get to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com in order to find out more about um, next Sunday's and next Saturday's meet and greets. Uh, Unfortunately, You missed out on Ben Cleveland. You missed out on Hollywood Brown. But Ronnie Stanley, for example, is coming up on Friday night at 6 o'clock. So if you want to meet Ronnie Stanley, again, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com in order to get your tickets for the meet and greet. A couple of things uh, before we wrap up. Uh, John brought up where is Maryland actually at with sports wagering. I guess the goal of having it up and running by the start of football season is not happening. Certainly not looking good. No way of getting around that. it was handed over to the regulators, and I don't mean Warren G. and his crew. I mean, like, the state regulators after it was passed and signed into law. And there was sort of this, like, agreement, hey, they know they better make sure this gets done before football season. And unfortunately, those within the business are saying that they do not now expect it to be in time for week one of the NFL season, which sucks. Now, it's also possible that someone powerful steps in and says, 
get this the F done by week one of football season, and that can change. But I can tell you with certainty, the people that are the most plugged in with this are now unfortunately not expecting it for week one. Now, that doesn't mean that it won't happen at some point early in football season. There are some people that fear that we're still a ways away, that the regulation is taking much longer than was expected. I We can't nail down the date, unfortunately, just yet. We still know it's coming. We still know it will come to brick and mortar first, and then it will come digitally uh, in the months that follow that. But the actual date is still remains up in the air. No one seems to have a correct answer. And it might very well be that, like, there's not a date announced, that, like, they get it all hammered out, and then once it's hammered out, they say, okay, go for it. And that's why everybody's already building up their sports books. Like a, a, we mentioned that Sports and Social down at Live Casino Hotel, the sports book is ready to go. It is there. It can be functional five minutes after regulation is finished. So that's what most people are doing. That's the preparations that most everybody is making for sports betting at the brick and mortars specifically. The brick and mortars. No, there's yeah, brick and uh, the that's brick a and That's a different. It's a different. You know, maybe concept. We should, maybe we should pivot. Not one that we shouldn't think about. Not one, and we should we should think about all you can meet, and we think all you can meet at the brick and Morty location. That's not a bad idea. We might be onto something if we uh, end up going that route. Uh, what else? There was something I want to get to from uh, from Joe. Joe said, uh, Glenn, do you feel like Ryan Mountcastle is going to be American League Rookie of the Year? It's unbelievable the season he's having, and nobody's paying attention. Rosarena is playing pretty well, also. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know who's going to – I can't – I couldn't tell you who's going to be Rookie of the Year. I do think that he's up against it because people haven't been paying nearly as much attention to him. So he it would require Ryan Mountcastle to stand out significantly from the other candidates. So I think he's deserving of the conversation. I think he is – it's remarkable that he's turned things around from where it was at the beginning of the season. Now you start thinking to yourself, like – Imagine if he hadn't struggled so badly to start the year, he might be in a place where he was the slam dunk. Um, Rosarena's top of the odds on favorites. Adolis Garcia second. Uh, something called Luis Garcia is a third. pitcher for the Astros who I don't know anything about, but is apparently quite good. Yeah, Mountcastle's in the top five, I'd have to think. Yeah, I mean, he's in the conversation for sure, but, you know. But his defensive yeah, know, limitations. It's not, well, and, and again, and he struggled so much to sure. start the year that if he had just if if he not even if he had you know hit at this level at the start of the year if he had just performed reasonably at the start of the year mm-hmm. um, he might have the type of numbers that would have him higher on this list but again it's always going to be difficult for a player from a really bad team you have to be exceptionally exceptionally good you can't be in the conversation you have to be head and shoulders above these other guys that are getting more attention in order to be able to win it but you know Cool to see. And the other thing, I, I love people sharing pictures of him continuing to like sign autographs after every Definitely. game. and Love those, those things, man. That's great stuff. All right. Uh, tidbit brought to you today by the Stand the Fan Variety Hour. If you missed Johnny Bench last week or the Ravens Roundtable, you can go right now to PressBoxOnline.com or Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports to see him. Stan Shows is always brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. 
Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. 410-401-9797 or C3America.com for your free analysis. Tidbit of the day. Yes, the Orioles still losing baseball games, and they've made a few deck chair reshufflings, of course, as once trade candidate Paul Fry is no longer on the did roster. You, did you see the... The thing that was going around yesterday. You mean about how he has a 101.25 ERA and 14.25 whip in his last five appearances? That wasn't the one. It was about what he's done against the Rays. Oh, that's what I'm talking about, against the Rays, yes. Okay, yeah. In his last five against the Rays, he has one and a third innings, yeah. eight hits, 17 runs, 15 earned runs, and an impressive 11-0 to zero walk-to-strikeout <laughs> ratio. Not great. Not great. Great. Remember, he was going to be one of the solutions coming into the year. Well, didn't quite work out that no. way. Of course, the Rays, to an extent, had the Orioles number this year, you could say. 18-1 uh, and one against the Orioles did Tampa Bay go. And if they had mustered three or four more runs in any of those games, they would have set the record for the largest run differential, or tied it if they had only had three, versus a single opponent in a single season of the divisional era, which goes back to 1969. They're plus 79, Mark, behind only the Dodgers against the Padres in 1974. There are some positives, though, for the Orioles. Uh, Jorge Mateo has impressed yeah. in his stint with Baltimore in 19 games. A 353 average is rather impressive, and he actually has more hits in his 19 games in Baltimore than he did in his 79 games with the Padres. 24 in Baltimore, 22 in San Diego. It, was, hope that it, was, it made all the sense in the world for him to be the type of player. This is It's like I say about the Rule 5. This, these are the times to do these types sure. of things. Do Rule 5 stuff. Do you know? Go go get somebody's track. When you're going to be bad, go be bad with, with you know lottery tickets. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. As long as they're reasonable. Matt Harvey's not a reasonable lottery ticket. These guys are reasonable lottery tickets. They're young. Yep. They, there might be something there. And if it is, there's an upside to it. There's no upside to Matt Harvey. There's none. But there might be an upside to a guy like this, so I have no problem with them doing that. Of course, Mountcastle, his OPS in the second half, north of 900. Mm -hmm. But you also mentioned his defensive limitations, yeah. for what it's worth. Urias has a higher wins above replacement, replacement, replacement. than Ryan Mountcastle this season. Somebody Warriors. pulled up that, like, by the way, and this is, this is, War is a fascinating stat. I, yeah, Wade Miley and no, not that. That one was trending. The other one that was trending this week was a comparison between Yadier Molina and like Salvador Perez and Mike Piazza. No, no, it was like it was like Yadier Molina has the exact same career WAR as I want to say like Paul LaDuca. That's bizarre. Yeah, Mountcastle's twenty-nine career home runs through a hundred and forty-eight games are second all time. In Orioles history, through a player's first 150. Who had more? Say that one more time. 29 home runs. Yes. Through his first 150 yeah. career games. One Oriole has more. Through his first 150 career games that were in Baltimore. As an Oriole, yes. Well, I mean, like I'm saying. that They didn't have to be at Camden Yards, but yes. No, okay. I mean, that were with the Orioles, yes. right. Um, Cal Ripken. No. He had 28 his rookie season, but that was, of course, 162 games, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, he didn't take days off. Yeah, yeah that's a good point, Kyle. You're not wrong about that. 
Manny. No. Did have 150 doubles, though. How about that? That's, that's I know. Exaggeration, I know. but only barely. I know. Uh, 150 career games. First 150 career games. How about... It's hard to find guys that came up with the Orioles that were prodigious power hitters. Came up with the Orioles. Uh, Trey Mancini. 27. <laughs> what a bum. Uh Oh my god. You might have to give me something on this. Hang on. Yeah, you might have to give me something on this. Movie star. Movie star. Jay Gibbons? 31. Okay. For Jay Gibbons in his first 150 games. All right. All right. I mean, of course, I... he wasn't a star, but he was briefly in yes, Wedding Crashers. He was, and, it, and he wasn't really in Wedding right. Crashers. The scene of him playing Correct. baseball was in Wedding Crashers. And I don't think he, if I remember correctly, he didn't know about it until the movie came out. He was, like They didn't mention, hey, by the way, people are going to go to this movie and be like, I know that guy. It's not going to be a thing. All right, Tidbit was also brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. I should get me one of these Toyota RAV4s, man. I keep talking about them every day. It might be time for me to make the jump and go get one myself. They're available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Tubular, brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Of course, the Orioles continue to play baseball because they scheduled the games ahead of time, and so you you know, you got to play them. They go to Toronto for the first time in a couple of years. They'll actually be in Toronto tonight on Masson 2, 7 o'clock. Chris Ellis against Robbie Ray, your pitching matchup. Phillies Nationals at 7 on Masson, MLB Network, Twins Tigers at 2. Of course, U.S. Open coverage underway right now on ESPN. First up, uh, a, a rematch of a former women's title uh, contest as Madison Keys and Sloan Stevens play each other in the first round. I didn't know that, Glenn. Yeah, I, I know. Who am I telling? Uh, of course, you also know that uh, Maryland's own Francis Tiafo is playing later on today against... Yeah, yeah. Well, that would be Sampras. Yeah, it's a huge match. Yeah. Really big match between Tiafo and uh, Christopher Eubanks is his opponent today. Um, also, ESPN later on tonight has Red Sox Rays at 7 and Braves Dodgers at 10. Big week for the NL West because it's Braves Dodgers and it's Giants... They're playing who they the Giants are playing somebody good too this week. And then the two of them, the Dodgers and Giants play against each the other Reds this maybe? weekend. It might be the Reds. That the might be who it is. The Padres and all that and Hang on a second, let me there. double check this. The Giants are playing the Brewers are oh. the leading the NL Central. They can pitch. So yeah, they really can pitch. So it's Brewers, Giants, it's they Braves. Might, they might be my only hope for salvaging something in our old season oh, really? contest. Braves, Dodgers, and then it's Dodgers, Giants this weekend, uh, in the NL West. So a big week for them. NBCSN for coverage of the Paralympics. Uh, great success already for some area athletes. Gold medals for Loyola's Mackenzie Cohn, Jessica Long, and uh, Daniel Romanchuk have already claimed gold out at uh, the uh, Paralympics. That coverage continues tonight at 9 on NBCSN. 
the USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw tonight at 8 as well. Some non-sports highlights. Non-sports. You've got a new crime documentary coming to HBO called Laetitia. You know, I've been nine. saying for some time there aren't enough crime documentaries. Indeed. Just really, a, it's, we're lacking in that department in this country. Agreed. American Ninja Warrior, 8 o'clock on NBC. Most of the late night stuff is off this week. Uh, James Corden being the exception after he did not get hit by a car while dancing. Man, I, that, I, I, I got to watch it. I got to know more of the details of that. There's no way they just randomly did that. If they did, they should all be put in jail. I don't even care about who's on his show. Probably people he danced with, if I had to guess. You say so. Uh, reservation Dogs, another episode of that and on by that, Hulu. by that, do you mean you didn't prepare it? Is that what you're really no, saying? No, I know. Who's Camilla Cabello? Well, she's quite famous. She did that Havana, na-na-na. Half of my heart is in Havana, na-na-na. Who's Rufus DeSoul? Don't know who that is. Right. Couldn't tell you who Rufus DeSoul is, but Camilla Cabello is quite famous. And she's, isn't she uh, married to Sean Mendez, too, if I remember correctly? Don't know. Stuff and things, glennclarkradio.com. Actually, that's really all of it, to be honest. So, there you go. Uh, Camilla Cabello is married. I don't know if she's married to Sean Mendez or not. They were together, for sure. I know that's a thing. They were definitely together. Couldn't tell you if they're married. All right. Uh, Tubular was also brought to you by Window Nation. Final two days. Take advantage of this offer. They're celebrating their 15th Trace anniversary. Trace returned to practice for what it's worth. Swell. Yeah, there you and go. I got, <laughs> let me say in response to that. Good. Good. I, I mean, I... Okay. Uh, during August, all customers that get an in-home estimate will be entered to win your home project for free or buy two windows and get two free, plus pay nothing for two full years, 866-90NATION, or visit windownation.com. I like Trace McSorley, good enough guy. I, I'm i not going to try to pretend like I think anything of, of that. I, I think nothing of it. Um, hey, who are the only two pitchers ever to have thrown three immaculate innings in their career? Randy Johnson. Nope. Kevin Gosman. Nope. Um, Nolan Ryan. Nope. Roger Clemens. Nope. Greg Maddox. Nope. <laughs> Wade Miley. Not Wade Miley. You're right to think that uh, they're great. One of them is an all-time great pitcher. Um, Cy Young. Now you're you're you keep naming all-time Sandy, Sandy Koufax is one of them. Yes. Okay. The other one happened last week. He threw his third career uh, immaculate inning. And he is not an all-time great. I mean, he's a. It's he's had a weird career. He's had a weird like there were moments where he thought he might become an all time great, and then he didn't. Jake Arrieta, not Jake Arrieta. Wade Miley, not never thought that about Wade Miley. Um, but he's been good again. He's been really good again. Uh, Adam Wainwright's been good for his whole career. Yeah, he's never really had a dip. I think he had a dip a few years back. I mean, a little bit. Resurgence this year. Um. I don't know who. Chris Sale. Chris okay. Sale joined Sandy Koufax with a third career immaculate inning. I've been sitting on that. It's been a tab that's been open on my computer since then, and I, I want to put it away, frankly. Okay. So now we can do that. If you haven't picked up the print issue of Pressbox, it's available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of loca- locations around town where you find Pressbox. Marlon Humphrey is on the cover. Go get it right now or read the entire thing, pressboxonline.com. Sort of misled me with Sale hasn't really had that many downs or ups. Oh, he was pretty bad. Was he, he was, dude. Oh, he was, was pretty bad. Hang on a second. Let's pull up Chris Sales. He was. he was, man. He was pretty bad. I think he's still been sub four most of his career. Mm, well, I mean, maybe for most of his career, but he had in, in 2019. No, he was. He had a six and eleven with a four four zero ERA. He was terrible in 2019. He was awful in 2019. His feeling independent pitcher was still three three nine. Okay, God bless. Yeah, pitch to a four four zero ERA when you've been paid a billion dollars to be a pitcher. That's really bad. Still had thirteen point three strikeouts per nine. Okay, all right, pal. 
We'll pretend like he didn't give up that many runs. We'll just pretend like that's the case. Just saying. Just pretend like but one down year. You implied it was the Wade Miley. It was really down. Day. No, I didn't imply it was Wade Miley. You kept obsessing over Wade Miley. I never did that. And he also needed Tommy John afterwards. Yeah, that's true. One hundred percent. And we very much did not know if he was going to come back from that. Well, he's back. Yes, he is. That was the point that I made. He's good again. I said that. Literally, how I painted it, Kyle. Why don't you show some respect to Chris Sale? Uh, yes, by the way, Brian Powell, I am paying off the bet on Friday. I don't know why you're asking me that question. I've said it a million times. Friday is the day. I'm eating the stupid sandwiches. I'll do it on Friday. I'm not happy about it, but I'm going to do it, and i got to sing. What songs am I singing? Uh, oh, uh, My Sacrifice. I'm doing My Sacrifice by Creed, we'll and I'm doing... No, there. we're not throwing Nick. I'm doing 1,000 Miles by Harbaugh Vanessa Harbaugh apparently Carl. said Nick Boyle will not be available this the season. That's a bummer. Don't care for that whatsoever. Don't like that at all. Um, I feel like there's. Is there anything else I have to do? Do I have to dress a certain way? Or? Probably. I don't think we did. I don't think we. I think this was just about being painfully white. Was that this one was about? And I dress that way every day, so I don't think I have to wear a costume for that. Thanks today to uh, Jeremy Kahn. Thanks also to Kevin Van Valkenburg, Jeff Zrebeck, as well as to uh, Pro Football Doc, Dr. David Chow. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, we will probably make a trip down to Bowie tomorrow. Okay. Uh, we're going to chat with Steve Sands. From the Golf Channel. Indeed. And this one's a, a little bit different than what we typically do, but uh, this is an incredible story. Haley Carter was a soccer player at Navy, and she got involved when, in the last few years, they started a women's soccer team in Afghanistan. And she was involved as a coach, and in the last couple of weeks, she has been spending her time literally rescuing the women's soccer players from Afghanistan because I don't know if you're aware of the circumstances, but the people that are in charge now were not thrilled about the idea that there was a women's soccer team in Afghanistan. So it's an amazing story. Um, the local college athlete that has been at the center of it. So we're going to talk to Haley Carter about all that on tomorrow's show too. Irons and fires, stuff and things. Thanks, everybody. Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including... Our friends at the U.S. Army, CCBC, MDOT, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, Exxon Mobil, K&S Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Great Eights Memorabilia, Sports and Social MD, the Baltimore Ravens, the BMW Championship, the Maryland Five Star, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, your local Toyota dealers, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Kyle Ottenheimer, Sad Lonely Man. Follow him on Twitter at Kay Ottenheimer. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Yeah, go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.